I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired, and I feel the cops flying in. I, I, I just called you guys to notify you. I heard shots fired. I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired. And I... Hey, I'm Jeff Weiss, a writer. And I'm No Can Do, a rapper. And this is Shots Fired, a podcast about hip-hop and headphones. What's your favorite headphone? You're not a Skull Candy guy like Kevin Durant, are you? Uh, no, but I had some Skull Candies. You know, Skull Candy used to, like, uh, give, like, you know, sponsor a lot of these, like, really indie indie backpack rap tours back in the day. I'm pretty sure they had a booth at Scribble Jam back in the day. But uh, the best pair of headphones that I got... Uh, it was for Christmas. My my lady got me a couple years ago. Got me a pair of Wesk W E S C headphones <laughs> for really cheap. Really cheap. Are those good headphones? Well, here's the thing. My brother also got the Beats by Dre that year. We did the compare and contrast. Yeah. And his were like the, maybe like the hundred fifty dollar pair. Yeah. Maybe hundred fifty two hundred. And my headphones cost like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks. My headphones served his headphones in volume, in clarity, in bass, and everything. <laughs> And so I've been, but I lost them immediately, like everything that my wife gets me. I just like, it's like the scarlet letter of douchebaggery when you're walking around with a Beats by Dre headphones, like at the gym. Like those guys that wear the Beats by Dre headphones at the gym, I'm like, come on. Yeah, but you can't be mad. I mean, have you ever walked around with a Starbucks cup in your hand? Uh, I have one right here, but it's, yeah. It's the equivalent no, no, of that. No, 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 it's like, it's like wearing a puka shell necklace. Are which... you wearing purple and gold Laker socks? They're not Laker socks, but they are purple and gold. My G. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a big fan. I was like, ah, purple and gold socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very unAngelino in the sense that I've never worn any purple and gold once. I've not. I actually have never worn purple and gold in my life except for these socks. I'm, I'm not really a gold kind of color guy. But, but you just wore purple and gold right now, so you, you can't say that you've never worn them in your life. You've been wearing. This them, is my first time. You've been wearing them. For Second at least, time I've worn at least these socks. Twelve hours. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back hard on shots fired with sock and headphones discussions. What kind of socks do you want to buy? What kind of headphones? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back <laughs> and better than ever. Better uh, than ever. How you been, man? What's, what's good with you? It's been a minute. Uh, I'm not going to tell anything about my real life. I know. I can't talk about my real life either. Uh, but uh, I've been really good, man. We'll wait till we listen to the Drake album, and then I'll talk how I emotionally relate to different things on it. I've been I've been writing a lot. I've been recording, like working on my next record, man. And it's like, and I found something. I found something very special. So God, and within myself, it's definitely not God. <laughs> I mean, I kind of found God a little bit, but it's like, like not like God in the sense of like, oh, everything makes sense, and you know, take my hand, God. And no, it's yeah. more like, it's more like, hey, God is the homie, and he lets me do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to catch you like on La Brea walking around with a Jesus is my homie t-shirt. You will never catch me with a Jesus is my homie t-shirt. And I said God, not Jesus. Jesus. Don't, don't, get it, don't get it twisted, man. Don't get it twisted, man. Even though I fuck with you, Jesus. I like your deism. <laughs> You're random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it was pretty weird when I was Jesus for Halloween at the Hard Haunted Festival and everyone was like going up to me and being like, Jesus. Jesus. I really got into it because yeah. like, I was like, you have a delusional cult leader personality, Jeff, and I, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, felt really good. I think, you know. And that's why I'm calling myself by the third person. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, let's let's get off of this topic. Yeah, let's, this is not good. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of like uh, Patty Labelle lately. That's good. Really? Oh yeah. That's good. 
Oh my god! I dude. only listen to old jazz now. Patty Labelle was saving. She was saving male hoes left and right. She, but there's only one song where she like male bash. I don't. She was the Captain Save a Mo. Yeah, she was. She was like. <laughs> she was like a Captain Save a Bro for sure. <laughs> but she, she was like, with all my heart, I love you, baby. Stay with me, and we could see. And so like, she was like the anti Erica Badu. Like you get with Patty Labelle, and like all of a sudden, all your wishes come true. Oh, for sure. For uh, no, sorry, Anita Baker. Sorry, not not Patty Labelle. Anita, Anita Baker. Anita Baker yeah, yeah, of so, Rapture. Uh, Anita Baker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not Patty Labelle. Anita Baker was saving all the hoes. <laughs> Patty Labelle. <laughs> yeah, but Patty Labelle. Had How about to... Shaka Khan? Where does she stand in this constellation? Shaka Khan was getting hella high. That's all I know. <laughs> she was kicking with Prince. I saw her open for Prince once. Hey, and Whitney Houston came up on stage. This is gonna fuck. This is gonna be fucked up. But like. My homie Flacco took me to Shaka Khan's son's house way, 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 way back in the day. Yeah. And he had a studio. This is up like Westchester, Ladera border up there. Yeah. And um, you know, it was it was a lot of pills, a lot of guns, and a lot of cameras and a lot of drug par- paranoia. <laughs> yeah, Flacco will definitely. The greatest is when Flacco explained to me how we got the nickname, and I thought it was because he was skinny as a kid, and he's like, "No, we are flocking houses." And I was like, "Ah." Yeah. Hence the name. Flacco. How many people do you think heard YG's Meet the Flockers and just didn't get it? Uh, Most. I mean, it's good that they didn't get it, man. I mean, yeah, that's. I, there's not that much rap that you don't get anymore. Well, like, no, nah, there's hella rap that you don't get. No, no. Everything is in hyper- the rap genius world. Uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, because it, it's translated. It shouldn't be explained. But like a re- like that should explain a certain wave of crime that exists in LA, you know? And like yeah. that dude, kind of like he kind of. You know, I think flocking has calmed down because, like, the... the well, no, I don't think it's calmed down, but it's... Just, My car got broken down. into last week. That's not being flocked. That's close enough. That's not being flocked. <laughs> <laughs> Your car getting break, broken into... In Los Feliz, it is. That's some, that's some, it got broken into twice in two months, actually. That's some tweaker shit. It was some tweaker shit. They took the fucking change in my fucking drawer. They took, like, a buck fifteen change. Exactly. They kept the sleeping bag, which I was like, I would take that. That'll keep you warm. Tweakers don't. Tweakers they don't want are to. warm. They they're are high. warm. Yeah, the they're, they're high boys, bro. Yeah. They're out there. <laughs> they're like Turk. <laughs> they're like, fuck with us and then we tweak it, bro. <laughs> you mean you're some hot niggas. Like, the tweak. that song was about tweak. Poor Shmurda. Oh, Shmurda. Poor Shmurda. Yeah, I, I feel so bad for uh, Bobby Shmurda. Do you feel bad for him? Yeah, I feel really bad for Bobby Shmurda. I don't know, man. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, shit, but you know, I, I feel bad for him. I guess I feel bad. For him. <laughs> you feel slightly bad for Shmurda. I mean, it's not that I don't feel bad for the kid. It's just that, like, you know, like you can see that, like you can you can see how real, like how real that whole thing was from the type of shit that they were doing. Like he was a real street dude, yeah. or whatnot. They were investigating, I guess, GS Nine before well, before well, like, he had his deal. GSC is a fucking gang out there. Oh, really? And it's a fucking, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's a crip gang. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were saying it was, a, it was an offshoot. It's interesting how, like, certain, like, which places became crips and which places became bloods all over the country. Like, I just find that really weird because it's... It's, cra- it's crazy that the Bay was like, we don't want none of that. Yeah. <laughs> Louisiana, well, like, uh, d- it, you know, in Baton Rouge, they didn't have crips and bloods. Yeah, yeah, Certain, certain places, like... But that's why the local music flourishes probably in Louisiana and the Bay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because they have they have a, a, a identity that doesn't put them in the same place. Like if somebody has a conflict with somebody, it's over. It's not some like this whole side versus that side. Yeah. It's like these guys did something to those guys, which gang banging actually is now in L.A. Yeah. But before, you know, like it's kind of 
certain dudes would be like, I don't fuck with that kind of music or I don't fuck with those dudes or, you know, it, like the, the YG Nipsey thing that happened here like in the fucking late 2000s shit or the jerk what, shit. What was? I didn't even realize YG and Nipsey had a big beef. They never had a beef. They never had a, They were doing songs together. Yeah. And that's that's tight. Yeah. You know? I yeah. think jerking changed everything. If people start taking fucking drugs together and dancing and then making money <laughs> and like, you know, like, oh, yeah. But we, people just started taking drugs and dancing and everything. It's like the movie Footloose. It's exactly like <laughs> Jerkin that. was basically the Footloose of of L A. of L A. pre Ratchet. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no one puts uh, no one puts pink dollars in the corner. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Cam in China. Yeah, do that is a good song. Yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, you know been I've been doing some interviews and stuff as, as I want to do. I just did an Ice Cube interview actually mm-hmm. uh, for Billboard that came out last week, mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of cool because we talked about the uh, the NWA movie. Yeah, yeah, and he he kind of broke it down to me like about how like I was like, well, why do you think the movie got made right now? And he was like, actually, I think it's because of my NWA thirty for, or my uh, Oakland Raiders or LA Raiders thirty for thirty. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because like I think I think like that was his like the only way that he could explain it to like a mainstream audience was through sports, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of the time music doesn't necessarily get understood properly. But like once he put it in the Raiders fandom, they were like, oh yes, like and he's like bringing it down. He's like, well look look what NWA is like. You have the Feds, you have the Crack, you have South Central in the '80s, you have the Daryl Gates and and yeah. leading up to the riots. Yeah. You know, and like then you have rap music, which is this thing, and I mean NWA, which was the soundtrack of the streets at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is, which is just interesting how much everything has changed because like that was I now look at contemporary rap music, which is generally like not very gangsta, the same way. It's not as hard the mainstream version. There's not really that much that breaks through. That's like I mean, hard. Well, the NWA wasn't like mainstream. It was some fucking underground shit that became mainstream, right? Yeah, I mean originally. I mean, and then so you you look at like you know fucking. Pee Wee Longway and Young Thug and shit like that shit, you know that shit gets like mainstream love or it, 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 name any rapper. It's, it really starts on some street shit, right? Yeah, or, I mean Kevin some, Gates definitely. You love Kevin Gates. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, have we talked about him before? But, but I, 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 I never, I didn't realize that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the same. Young Thug is some more like. I wouldn't put him in the same category as Young Thug. You know what's weird? Is, young Thug's music actually gets it, played. It's poppy. Played, yeah, not poppy, but it gets played out like. Kevin well, Gates I guess is, his hooks are just Kevin so catchy Gates that they become pop. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Gates is headphone music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like Young Thug is some shit like you, you know, that you would end up hearing in a club or you end up hearing played out of somebody's car or some shit like that. Young Thug hitting the tear ducts part of my brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear lifestyle. Yeah. It's such a sad song. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's so joyous. But let's stop fucking going on our ADD ass rants. Let's talk about something, brother. Talk what's what's the topic of the day? Well, we have Martin Kirsenbaum on. We probably should introduce him. Martin Kirsenbaum of M- Cherry Tree. Martin Kirsenbaum, uh, really interesting story. He uh, actually was a rapper in the '80s, and he kind of talks about that. And he, he, uh, they were the original Maroon. That's why Maroon Five had to become Maroon Five. Yeah, yeah. And he talks about it in this episode, and then he ends up basically. Uh, it's so funny because like a Maroon Colony is like a, you know what a Maroon Colony is? No. It's like in the uh, in the West Indies, like. When, uh, like, when slaves would uh, would escape and create like uh-huh. a city and a stronghold, that like you know a free free uh, a free black man, it was called a maroon colony. Yeah. Interesting. So, just like just like Maroon Five. Yeah. That's where he took the name from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's very soulful. Why do you? I just I don't understand why rappers like Maroon Five. Like like why is? Whoa 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 whoa! Don't generalize like that. Well, he's on Kanye's album. I mean, but they're pop artists, and they probably at the same—they came up at the same time. 
Yeah. They came up at the same time. And look. Maroon 5 were local legends, actually. Like, they were in a band called Kara's Flowers. Yeah. I mean, they're terrible legends. But. I mean, so, like, they were probably in Hollywood doing the same shit at the same time with the same people, got the same publishers. Just like fucking, uh, you know, Kendrick on a song with Tame Impala. You know what I'm saying? Kendrick is on a song with Tame Impala? Kendrick is on a song. Are you thinking of Imagine Dragons? No, he's on a song with Tame Impala, too. Yeah. Yeah. Or but or Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons. That's a better example. That was the number one album this week. Two hundred thousand copies. They they people have a really bad taste. Nah, man. Pop music is different. Pop music is different. No one has no one has time to have taste. (laughs) (laughs) Most Americans don't have time to have taste. Dude, we're the hardest working people and the brokest people in the world world for as much hard as we work without being in sweatshops and things like that. I don't think we're the brokest people on earth. I mean, you know. I just think everything costs a lot of money, and it's like very. Every, hard. Yeah, exactly. We're and, and when we work hella, every time I fucking am talking to somebody from fucking England or France, they're always on vacation. Yeah, I, <laughs> every time you go to Italy, there's always some sort of train strike. Yeah, yeah and not like I've been to Italy more than once, but I'd like to return at some point, and I anticipate a train strike. And they know how to have fun without getting themselves so so drunk. That they, they don't need words out. like ratchet or turned up. Their life is perfect. It's like Americans need eighty words for it because we get so little of it. Yeah, well, that's that's so true, and that's what I realized when I went to Paris, man. I was like, damn, like what you call ghetto was just Paris. What we call ghetto was just Paris. Like being at like a hood function, yeah, or whatnot, where everybody's like with the people that they love and they're drinking, and like you know, some girls just getting fucking nasty. But yes, Paris is ratchet. Paris is so ratchet. It's <laughs> just just like Compton. The song, the song, just just like Compton. The song "Niggas in Paris" is a double negative. <laughs> the title. Whoa. <laughs> I realized, by the way, that Drake, like everything, like I'm like six god, and I kept on being like, like uh, riding through the six with my woes. Yeah, I kept on thinking about like woe from. Have you ever seen Blossom, or is that just too whoa. like? Is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Joey Lawrence, whoa. <laughs> You're like Joey Lawrence is tight. Joey Lawrence had a rap song, had several rap songs. Uh, let's not talk about that. That's not why he's tight. He's tight. Yeah. He's tight for being, being for consistently playing a dumb guy. That was cool. He was like he, he was, was pre Matt LeBlanc, Le, Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, for he sure. gave Matt LeBlanc a style to run with. Wait, wait, which one is Matt LeBlanc? He's from a, Joey from Friends. Oh, he's Joey. Isn't that weird that Joey from Blossom and Joey from Friends are both morons? Coincidence? Nah, I that think shit is, so. That shit is racist, homie. It's <laughs> yeah. racist and gets Italian. Oh, they were both Italians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's <laughs> that's really interesting. I never realized that. Yo, whoa, whoa. I'm wearing a leather jacket. Whoa, who's that hot girl? Whoa. Oh, oh. And like they're really all just John Travolta. <laughs> Real they're really just all doing Vinnie Barbarito from John Travolta's Welcome Back, Otter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John yeah. Travolta's face is so big. John Travolta, did you see that thing at the Oscars where he was like trying to like swoop in on Scarlett Johansson, and you're like, dude, no. Uh, why? He tried to kiss her on the red carpet, and then like she like kind of like was like, "Get away this, from me." This is not that type of podcast. We're not talking about what happened at the Oscars red carpet. I didn't even watch the Oscars, but it was all over the internet as a meme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only, I only, I get my news only via meme. I feel like I feel like Scarlett Johansson and fucking like Rihanna are the same person, like the white and black version of each other. That's an interesting and thing. It's just yeah. like it's like what archetype are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the? Are you gonna be the? Who knows what she's gonna say next? Yeah. Are you gonna be the fucking Jennifer Anderson kind of girl? Yeah. You know, which I feel like is a, I would say Beyonce would be Jennifer Anderson, but it's like you know, it's like like the girl for everybody that you should really like. Or then there's a, then there's like you know, like the fat soulful one all the times from somewhere. I I don't know. <laughs> Who but is they, Patty Labelle? 
Back to, back to Patty. <laughs> or, an, or Anita Baker. I don't I know. I love Anita, Anita Baker. I'm was okay. saving so many hoes. <laughs> she was saving so many bros. Yeah, so anyways, back to Martin. Yeah, so he basically uh, discovered a bunch of people from uh, Lady Gaga, Disclosure, uh, Far East Movement, you LaRue. I think Florence and the Machine maybe too. What do you think of Sam Smith? Is your, is, it's, it's, yeah. the, it's the second coming of Luther Vandross. Oh, Damn. You know, it's just... I was thinking more as like the second coming of Celine Dion, but that works way better. Yeah, you know, just the... He kind of looks like a white Luther Vandross in a way. A fat gay guy <laughs> that, that is getting the homie some pussy. Like, <laughs> like, like, hey. Thanks, Sam Smith. Sam, can I come on tour with you? <laughs> you can get the side bitches that I won't do shit with. He, he's so fastidious, Sam Smith. I just like can't fuck with Sam Smith. I mean, I like I like the Disclosure songs, but did you hear his album? Uh, no. That shit is boring as fuck. I listen to Anita Baker. There's no reason for me to listen <laughs> to Sam Smith. It's like I listen to Anita Baker, son. Like no, for real. Like and then, like I'm I'm 31. Okay, yeah. like I'm I'm 31. So I don't need to, like, you know. I, and and I have a have a good memory. I don't need I don't need fucking I, I hate comfort food, bro. I hate comfort food, so don't sell me some shit that my mom used to play for me. Says the guy who wanted to go to the Jamaican restaurant today. But that's not comfort food for me. That, <laughs> that was my neighbor's food that I would <laughs> smell when I was a kid, and my mom would be like, don't go eat over there. You James, might... you could not have any goat. Yeah, <laughs> but I like goat, mom. It's just like lamb. She's just like, no, it's not. It's a different animal. But you know, like, nah, for real, like, you know, I, you know, I, no. I, I get it. My wife loves this shit. Yeah. You know, my daughters like this shit. But, it's so boring. But also, my wife was raised off of like country music. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Really? You know, like their in Venice, like, their grandmother's like Native uh, Native American. So. Uh, no, she was raised off of like country. And my, her mom liked Madonna and shit like that. I never heard a Madonna record. I never heard a fucking Elvis record or a motherfucking. I heard never what? heard no white shit ever in my life. <laughs> I need that. That, needs, and, and that to, needs to be on your like tombstone. Yeah. I never heard no white shit in my life. Not, Here lies no can do yeah. James McCall. Not until Beavis and Butthead. Like and then yeah, I'm like. Oh shit! Smashing pumpkins, yeah. Beavis and Buttheads brought brought rock music to the streets. Real talk, they <laughs> did. Kind of did. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Martin, interesting dude. Uh, has has a EP out. Uh, probably a bunch of new music out. He has a SoundCloud. He talks about it on the episode. Anyways, this is shots fired. I'm your host, Young Thug, and this is. I just like that he he wants to call himself he wants to call himself Jeffrey the rapper. I was like, just do that, do that, Thug. All right, shots fired. I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired, and I see all the cops flying in. I, I, I just called you guys to notify you. I heard shots fired. I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired. And I... You know, I didn't intend to rap. It was just the most exciting kind of music around, and I met a friend in, in Michigan named Willie P from Chicago who was an MC. That sounds super familiar, Willie P. Yeah, he's really good, and he was crazy. He was rapping about all sorts of crazy stuff, and... uh and we started making music together in a dorm in in, in Michigan, and uh, and then you know I did some some bars. The group is called Maroon, and fun fact that's why Maroon Five has to be called Maroon Five because uh, we did okay. I we, thought it was a Maroon Five because it was like kind of like a nod to the Jackson Five, and then the last names were Maroons. That, that's yeah, like, but the Maroon name Maroon yeah. was already taken. <laughs> I'm just made that. Yeah. Yeah. that we got our big break was Robert Criscow reviewed us. Oh, yeah, you remember yeah. him? Yeah, in the Village Voice, and he gave yeah. us a better grade than Run DMC, Boogie Down mm. Productions, mm. uh, Ice T, and we were like, whoa. <laughs> and he was he just didn't care. He was like, this is great. He was the dean of he's the dean of American. He is self proclaimed dean of American rock critics, but he was the most like well known critic uh, for most of the '80s. 
Yeah. And he was actually one of the first writers that took hip hop seriously, actually. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of his stuff is like pretty sus. Like, he, well, he had a couple of two line reviews and stuff like that, but he was. They're very pithy. I told you my story. I met him. He came to the Far East Movement show like a few years ago at Webster Hall. And he's like, yeah, I want to check this band out. And I said, um, hey, you may not remember, but. And I told him the whole story. And he looked at me. Have you met him? He's really intense. Uh, and he goes, I've been in the same room, but I've never like met him. He goes, him you know, I'm going through all my 80s reviews. Did I tell you this already? I'm going through all. This is, like, seriously, I just met him. I'm going through all my 80s reviews, and I'm re listening, and I may change things, so don't don't be surprised if I lower your grade. Wow. So I said, no. That's the most fucking, like, proof Why most, would you go most, back to the 80s? Most music writers, slightly autistic. But here's, what I, but here's what I said back to him I said, okay, hang on a second. What if you like it better? We got an A minus. Would you give us an A? He, go, he was totally shocked. He was like, well, yes, I guess I would. I said, okay, deal. Yeah. And then he never changed it. But, and he loved the Far East Movement show, so it was okay. That's cool. And I thanked him because it opened up a lot of doors yeah. getting an A minus. The... So that was when you were in college rapping. I was 19. He... Oh, wow. And so then mm. you had a note. Had you sent it to him? Sent it to the voice? or? Yeah, we just sent it to him. We, we started a label. I mean, yeah. Cherry Tree was, was conceived then. Yeah. It was called Arb Recordings, and it was a tree, our logo, because oh, wow. Ann Arbor. You know, and our burrito means like, like cherry tree. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a tree logo, and everything we do now, pretty much, I tried out then, just without any resources or mm-hmm. knowledge, or it's a lot like now actually. But you yeah. know, it was what like what got you into hip hop at the time? Was there like the, a- oh, it was the music was the most. I mean, I was a keyboard player, and it's hard to imagine now, but uh, keyboards were really prevalent in hip hop more than in other kinds of music at yeah. the time. Well, you know? no samples really at that point. Right. So for me, all that and just it was the most exciting. I mean, you could remember what like remember when. Well, you guys are young, but like LL Cool J used horns. Yeah. Rick Rubin. It was like an innovation. It was like yeah. there were oh, no yeah, other. These guys are using horns on this well, beat. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there was no two other. Two seconds of sampling time was like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. We had four seconds on the funky record. Oh, That's yeah. all we could sample. Four yeah. seconds. Yeah. All we're using to do it. We we made. Here's what I would do because we were petrified of uh, having to clear the samples or getting sued. Mm-hmm. So I would play. I would record a multi-track of a of a of a groove and I would sample it. Mm. It's sample our own stuff. Oh, that's tight. I and mean, then, that's like totally superfluous, and you don't have to do it if you can play it. We couldn't that's clear. We didn't know about Chris Elect didn't know that they replayed. All I'm gonna say is like he he played he played on the track, but then he sampled, sampled what himself. he played. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. I would do that a lot. And then for yeah. our second record, we sampled our first record. That's cool. <laughs> so we just put out what is twelve inches or seven inches? We or? put out an album called The Funky Record, which is the one that got reviewed, and then we put out a that twelve was a full inch. Length. It was full length, yeah. And then we put out a twelve inch called I Ain't Running for Pope. Yeah, which, which was about I do this and this and this. That's why I can't ever run for Pope. Yeah, and 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 then the B side was a bigger hit. Actually, hit. We got on TV and stuff. It was called Let the Music Take You Higher. Oh wow! Uh, where did uh, you get on TV at? Uh, well, here's the funny thing. We did a Spanish version. Because oh, yeah. you know I'm Hispanic. My yeah. parents are from Argentina, and mm-hmm. Will did an exchange program in Spain, so he spoke Spanish. So we were goofing around the studio once, yeah. and we were like, let's just sing what we wrote in Spanish. So we ended up recording it, and then that blew up because it was during Kid Frost, uh, Gerardo. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, everybody's looking Menudo, for content. Menudo was blue. I don't know if Menudo was rapping. Late period of Menudo. Was Menudo rapping though? Uh, probably in the late '80s. I don't know if they were rapping, but but we would do. I like, remember Gerardo very much. Gerardo. <laughs> yeah, it was right around the same time. Was Gerardo in Menudo? No. I don't know about Gerardo, but you, you brought Gerardo up. Fucking Elvin brought Gerardo up. There's Dude, Menudo. I brought Gerardo up many times in this podcast. Gerardo's the first artist ever signed to Interscope, I think. Him and yeah, I think and he was Marky right Mark, Marky right? Mark. Yeah. But Menudo was they you know were young kids. Rico Suave. That was his big hit. He's got a reality show now, I think. I don't know what the fuck that is, dude. 
that was an old. amazing song. You go slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. So you guys, what do you guys, you guys played in Spain? No, no, we, we did it here in the U.S. So we played on uh, Univision, Telemundo. There was a show called Bailamos uh, in the Fluos San Antonio. We performed there. Yeah. Uh, Vegas. Just like, uh, what else? Galavision. You know, we did interviews. It was fun. It was, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, and this so, is like the whole time you're just at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, Will ended up moving to New York and I moved to L.A. Because uh-huh. I, I wanted to go to USC and I wanted to get in the record business. And he moved to New York and he started working in a public school as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, All rappers want to be teachers. In the Bronx. Yeah, no, yeah. and he would use hip-hop to teach the kids. And then some of those songs became the songs for our next record. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and then he ended up being like a tenant organizer. And he was super, super uh, like politically active and still is. You know, he has a blog. and Yeah. Um, yeah, but then we kept making music. Just I would fly to New York, he'd fly to L.A. Up until, I'd say about 90... 94, we did another record, but I didn't want to do all the promotion because I was already working at, at a label, and uh-huh. so he, we just called it a Willie P album. Uh-huh. And uh, we put that out in 94, and then and it just kind of tapered off. But we did, we did uh, it was our 20th anniversary, and we put out a song online. That's and then it's, like it'll be our 30th. SoundCloud? Yeah, and it'll yeah. be a 30th next year, and we got it. I already did the beat for it. He's doing the Really? Uh, yeah, just for fun. That's tight. That's yeah. cool. It's on arbrecordings.com. Yeah. You go see, you see all pictures of it. Looks really crazy because yeah. no, it's been us. Site. It's a cool site, yeah. But it really looks yeah. like from the era, yeah, because it was. It was that kinda... reminds me of uh, Serengeti. Have you heard of uh, this, this is artist named Serengeti from Chicago? Okay, and he uh, has like this whole like like uh, extra personality what? uh, called what's his name? It's, it's basically so like he uh, his name is Kenny Dennis, is the oh, Kenny Dennis, yeah. Okay. And he has a project called The Grim Teachers, and there's like all this lore about how it's like he created it came from backstory. a tape. And like he used to have beef with Shaq back in the day. Is that yeah, true? From the note, from no, the from the just, from like a music conference in Philadelphia. It was like the Fresh Drive Showcase, the Winter Music, some Winter. But music doesn't that sound like it could have happened? That totally. sounds so yeah, real. That's it's, why it's amazing. It's like so like the point. Nation of Islam shows up, and there's like some. Yeah. I've seen that. No, I've so, seen that in panels and stuff. So Shaq yeah. dissed his mustache is what happened. Right, so right. Kenny still hold, held this long time grudge. And, but instead of like okay normal like you think that's funny, they recorded an entire album with like fake '90s beats. Called the Grim Teachers, but it was it's all the, on tape. But was, they re-recorded. They, they, they actually no, created. There the, was never a real group. Never existed. They just yeah. made okay. like this timepiece. And then they got that, Sun Doobie from Funk Dubious to yeah. rap like a guest verse where it sounds just like '94, and the video yeah. is. It's, See, that's smarter than Maroon. Maroon, we actually did it, and, and it's just a long time well, ago. You guys were in, in the time. <laughs> that's the time, yeah. You know, but like, that's I, very I just good. Think about you guys making the record, you know, it, it, it'd be tight. Like, you know, maybe you should reach out to the Grim Teachers and like. That's funny. Do a duet. Yeah, it's tight. You know, one of the other things we had happen to us, which was really super cool, was remember that magazine Motor Booty? Uh-huh. That, uh, I'm trying to think of the artist's name, he's from Michigan, but he did, he ended up doing the album covers for like Soundgarden and, um, and uh, Big Chief and the Necros and all these real kind of uh, heavy alternative bands. And he put out a magazine and he did uh, caricatures of all the rappers. Mm-hmm. You know, like from there, Kid Rock. Oh, the and, guy who did the Kid Rock. He did, I think, the Kid Rock album cover. I think with two shorts. He may right? have. He may have. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did an illustration of us okay. as, oh, wow. in the history of Michigan hip hop. That's tight. And it was tight. pretty cool that we were. I mean, he made fun of us, but it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you were well, Soundgarden was actually one of the groups that you first worked with, right? In the yeah. Industry? Yeah. I was I was doing international publicity for A and M Records, and and they were signed there, and uh, it was right before um, uh, Bad Motorfinger. Which uh-huh. was, by the way, the album with yeah. that cover. It's a good album. <laughs> yeah, and then into Super Unknown. So yeah, I got to sort of travel around the world with them, and 
I would set up interviews, you know. It's like like, the height of the grunge era, though. Yeah, it was amazing. I was in Seattle. I remember one time I flipped to Seattle and Brendan O'Brien was producing the album. And I was meeting with the band to talk about when we were going to do promotion and press. And and all of a sudden we're like, uh, hey, uh, do you guys want some beer? Oh, I got it, you know. And so this dude goes, I'll go with you. And we're walking. It's long hair. We, I had long hair, too. It's like like you. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I'm like, hey, I'm Martin. I work at A&M. And what's your name? He goes, I'm Mark. I'm in a band called Mud Honey. You know, it's just like they were all hanging out there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they were super cool. And it was... It was a weird time. It was like a, it was dark. Yeah. You know, they literally, were literally dark. somber. Well, so, I mean, but, they were all on heroin, weren't they? Like, well, I didn't know it at the time, yeah. but you know, I mean, and I didn't really, I wasn't there that long yeah. to find out, but it, it was somber, you know, yeah. dark and somber, like in tone. Yeah, yeah, Not, yeah. I guess it was dark as well, Seattle. One of the things I find about Seattle is like, I, it's probably different now, but like everyone, it's like permanently grunge. Like everyone is always wearing, I mean, you got, it's cool, it's, it's dark. And, <laughs> and they're wearing plaid rainy. stuff? Yeah, everyone was wearing plaid. Like I know that someone's going to be like, we had like, actually, I, I always make this horrible broad generalization. <laughs> and someone from Africa, by the way, were like, no one in Africa listens to podcasts. And someone's like comments on our last one. And they're like, you know, there's 600 million people in Africa. Yeah. We listen to podcasts. And I was like, yeah. This fucking. Shout out to our one African listener. We have, we have probably have a lot of African Probably have like listeners. 17. I got a few African We have as many African like... listeners as we have like female listeners. No, 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 no. I said we have way more African. I said we have, yeah, than females. You might have one African female listener. Um, but yeah, in Seattle, like all, all the like hip hop dudes, like especially like the sneaker heads, like you really can't be like in the shoes in Seattle for a certain time, time of the year because it's just muddy and right. just grungy and yeah, all those cats would wear like boots all the time. I wonder how Macklemore gets to wear fur because does when it get ruined in the rain? No, because he buys it at the thrift shop, so yeah, he so can it just replace yeah. it. More. Yeah. It's inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. like cashmere or something. He buys like five of them. I tell you, I tell you this right now: if you buy fur from the thrift shop, it came off of a dead person because no living person would sell fur. Gives away fur if it's real fur. If it's real fur, yeah, That's no true. living person. Yeah, but why would a dead person, like, when the you Mexican? Know, the Mexican, like the you know the kids that don't appreciate shit, you know, like let's say, or like you're like I don't want to wear my dead grandfather's fur. I would wear my dead grandfather's fur though, yeah. in a heartbeat. It depends <laughs> how cold you were. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and I know a lot of people are like fur's bad, and it, but it, when it gets cold enough, you know what I mean. Those animals are, have evolved I, to keep us warm. I man. know. I mean, I, I, I'm sensitive <laughs> to it, but I mean, I'm just saying, if there was a used a fur coat and I was freezing, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd probably wear it. Do they work? Do they work better than? Like, I don't know. I don't wear that fur, but <laughs> you never but I fur. but I imagine if I were cold, I yeah. would. I yeah, would. I have actually. I once accidentally bought a coat with a raccoon trim. I thought it was fake fur. Yeah, yeah. I got brought it home. My mom was like, "You you just bought a raccoon trim coat." I was like, "Your mom didn't have fur." So I did. No, and my grandma has like an elaborate. Yeah. And did you did you keep did it keep your neck warm i never wore that but my it was creepy because it was like kind of like the mink heads kind of were on it you oh know? yeah you gotta love that i never <laughs> wore fur but I, I wore a leather jacket mm-hmm. that's that the same thing same thing right same thing. yeah a little bit more stylish less less pimpish more like macho it's a good windbreaker though it was like leather was and you could like and if you get stabbed by the members of made men like paul pierce did in the late 90s it will protect you from all wounds or, or slide off a motorcycle <laughs> yeah but i didn't have that's that right. issue it's just, it just was good for, against the wind yeah yeah you know yeah but Nah, fur, leather. I mean, if I could get like you know some whale skin things, like you know, interesting gloves. You're saying you'd drape yourself in blubber if it were socially acceptable. Every time I see a paisa with an ostrich skin belt, I'm like, oh, I want that. You know, you, like it's disgusting. And like, <laughs> I draw the line at ostrich. That's like veal. It's, you know, this. So, uh, okay, you've got a hierarchy of, of living things that you <laughs> for jokes oh, okay. <laughs> just like how I used we'll to like chimpanzees are at the top right yeah, like chim- if I wore like I mean, a chimpanzee head dogs yeah. like I love dogs no cats I love 
Yeah. You know. Um, What's at the bottom? Was it the bottom? Lizards. I hate lizards. So you, hate lizards? You'd wear... I fucking hate lizards. Oh, see, that's racist. Why? I don't know, man. I don't like green people. <laughs> I don't like Martians either. No, they're lizards, man. I mean, they're cool. I mean, like lizards are literally the... cool. Yeah. I don't know. Blooded. They really can't All give right. you that much. Uh, I'll stop. That I... much pelt. They don't give me that much emotional you support that, that I need from pelt. an animal. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. All right. Yeah. Um, back to your story. You guys should so... do like an accompanying. Uh, you know, blog posts where it's like a uh, pelt volume hierarchy chart. It's like a sidebar. Yeah, <laughs> just like what gives you the most pelt. I don't even know. Can you even, did lizards even have pelt? I mean, no. Is, uh, I don't know if you have a horrible to have pelt. They make shoes, right? Shoes and boots, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's yeah. got to be skinny. That's the worst job. Yeah, that's a bad job. Ugh, but when you're good at the job, it's the best job. But if you're going to do that, though, here's what I think. If you're going to do that, if you're going to eat a burger or wear some leather, yeah. maybe you got to be prepared to do that. <laughs> just skin or deal with it well, you know I, I mean? once like, I see that once I see the head of an animal like when you have you know when they, sometimes they'll serve you a fish with right. the head in the plate I'm like fuck it I'm out but don't you think there should be some accountability like yeah, you can't just should. wear a leather belt and be like oh I don't want to know how it happens maybe you should at least know or I don't know nah that's not <laughs> no, no, no. that's like oh if you want to drive a car you gotta know how to build one no, yes no. I agree with that no. maybe not build one but change a tire change well wait alright <laughs> my dad wouldn't let me drive our car unless I could change the tire Really? Or and change the oil. That's pretty amazing for a Jewish person. He wouldn't do, do it. He wouldn't do it. Not no no in my family dating back to the uh, ancient rickshaws. Oh, he wouldn't let me change. borrow the car unless I learned how to do that. Wow. And I had to show him that I knew how to do that. That's pretty impressive. As a son of like a a, a ghetto fabulous black single mother, I I have, have there's no skills that like I was implanted with. I was raised to pay for everything basically. And so I, I went against my programming, and I've learned how to take basically take my car apart and put it back together. See, and then this shit, but it backfired though, because the car. No, the oh. car. Ah, <laughs> you. But you know when like you know something happens in my mother's car, or anybody's you, car, they call you. They call me now. But so you're proud nice. of that, except that now. No, no, no. I'm not so proud of doing the work for them. But listen, now cars are all computerized. Did you like keep up with that? You have like a no, whole no, diagnostic no. at your in your garage or something? No, no, no. Now it's impossible to even do anything in a car. I can't. Well, I mean, it's Legos, you know. It's, it's but now with modern cars, electric. modern cars are like all. I haven't touched anything older than the 2006. I mean, so I mean never newer, touched, newer, newer than yeah, okay. So I haven't like I've never. Had but you know what I mean? Like that's all like just computerized and you know I don't know. I haven't run across those problems. Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. So I gotta get your number. I gotta get your number. My name. So you're doing this job for A and M, and then it got folded over in Interscope. Is that? Yeah. What happened was A and M was owned by Polygram, and Polygram was bought by Seagrams, who owned Universal already. So they uh, amalgamated their Universal and Polygram operations into one big record company, and they merged a couple of their labels inside those. So Interscope became Interscope Geffen A and M. Wow. And I came over to Interscope at that time, which was the tail end of '98. Still dumbfounded by the surrealness of a liquor company owning like a big music company. Wait, wait, wait! Like, I, I missed that part. Seagram. Br- briefly, by the way, briefly. Yeah, it was brief. Well, not briefly, it's actually. Brief, drugs and music go hand in hand. Well, it doesn't like. <laughs> not drugs. A drug. Not, well, it's a drug. Thank you. Okay. This that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. Right <laughs> yeah. There. Wow. That's. <laughs> that that was. If a, the fur was, people <laughs> aren't gonna flood your mailbox. That was a real. That was a real awkward pause we had. We talked about killing ostriches. Yeah, as as we, without batting an eyelash. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like alcohol. Whoa. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so you, so you do, and then you were doing a lot of marketing at this point, like you just start doing marketing for. Yeah, I mean, I, I was always playing music and writing and producing, but it was separate to what I was doing mm -hmm. at A&M, where my job was a marketing job. You're right, yeah. I, international specifically. So I was traveling around the world with with our groups and and trying to sell their record, mm -hmm. you know. But it was great because I. I got to meet everybody in the Polygram International offices that then became the Universal International uh, offices, yeah. and many of them are still there, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we came up together, and a lot of them are running the labels now, so it's, I have some really... So who were you, what were you working at the time? Like, is this like um, M&M yeah. and... Well, okay, so, um, are you talking about after 98, right? Yeah. So after like 98 would have been M&M, absolutely, uh, Limp Bizkit was huge, uh, Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, uh, Vanessa well, Carlton no had a big hit, no doubt. Mm. Um, I like saying no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I like saying um, no diggity. Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> um, before uh, Fergie and after Fergie. Oh, yeah, before yeah. the front. Me, um, me and my cousin, we like to talk about how like you know the, after after the Fergie thing. That's when it was like money, like like you know. You have a lot of admiration for Will I Am. You're oh, talking about this Will publicly. I me too. I, 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 I love him. I want to freestyle with him because I want this thing like I like you know. Um, have you have you hung out with him? No, but he was at he was at uh, the Low and Theory Festival. And, yeah, uh, he's super approachable. You should yeah. go. I mean, he's an awesome. He's a real like extraordinary guy. He's yeah. like a Renaissance man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of unbelievable. And that's kind of like the type of person I like to model myself after. So I like to ask the guy some questions. You know? Yeah, he'd be open to that. He's mm -hmm. such a generous guy. He really is. I mean, we I've been lucky because I've gotten to sign a couple things with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, you know, I, I worked his record but he I've learned a lot from Will he's amazing yeah. also he's fearless you know which I yeah. admire yeah. like he'll put himself in situations just to, just to see what happens. yeah he'll jump in front of 40,000 people just freestyle not have anything planned that just, part right there yeah yeah oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's him he lives on the edge mm -hmm. which is why I think he's been so ahead of trends you know like um, and also he's a good dude mm -hmm. just a nice guy so and also the, the thing about that him him that makes makes me interested in like like the type of dude he is, is that there's a lot of people like that. I know a lot of people that do that just naturally. But I want to know what is the thing that made him Will I Am versus. Do you know a lot of people like Will I Am? Because I don't. I mean, not it's like pretty extraordinary. But people that are like, I know guys that are like, oh, I play keys and I produce and I rap and I oh, sing. Yeah. And, no, he he has you know. like a spark of. He's he's one of these guys who who like if you put him in a room with a blank canvas, he can create. He's not like an editor or a critic or a, or, or a changer. Or a, he's like a, he just make it out of nothing. Like I don't know if you guys know. Have you ever seen him in the studio? I, I think there's footage online where how he programs drums. Right? He doesn't use a drum machine or pads. Or he'll put a microphone on a desk yeah. and he'll tap the beat, and then it'll come out as sound. You know, spikes. Yeah. And then he'll change those to sounds. What? So I it's think not. Allison does that too. Whoa. You know? Yeah. So he's so his whole thing it literally comes from his body. Like and he'll like scat or sing or, or, or whatever and you'll come up with a melody it's just you, you see it oozing out of him creativity yeah. it's pretty crazy I also heard he came up with the, I heard like uh, may or may not be true but like the, at least the rumor is true it's the, one of those things but I heard he actually came up with the name Beats like mm -hmm. that they wanted to call it something else and then like he was like you should call simplify it simplify this shit you should call it you're Dre <laughs> it's like Beats or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. which is just Amazing. Well, and he put he put he was the first one to put it in. I mean, it's in Boom Boom Pow, right? Oh, uh, rocking them beats. Oh, I mean, which was a double entendre, but but yeah. you know, he's wearing them in the video when he oh, says yeah. that. Yeah. So we put it in the song too, though. Gaga and I put it in uh, uh, Starstruck, mm -hmm. but I don't even know if it was named yet because we said the Dre headphones. Oh, okay. With the Dre headphones with the left side off because we were talking about yeah. a DJ. Yeah, it's yeah. like those songs about a DJ playing her like a record. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's all these you know analogies to 
how a DJ touches a record and the knobs and all that stuff. So, so he said Dre headphones. So what kind of stuff are you making? So the late '90s, early 2000s. What kind of stuff are you making yourself personally? Um, okay, late '90s. Um, what was I doing? I probably was doing some remixes then. I, I took a break because I was traveling so much around the world for because Interscope. It was like the Wild Wild West. You know, Interscope had just been fully bought by uh, by um, Seagram's and Universal, and I had just come over from A and M. So it was a lot of work to just you know, kind of unify all the affiliates around the world and introduce these very progressive acts. I mean, you know, Eminem is like uh, very entrenched now and one of the greats, but back then... Like, how do you explain Eminem to like strange. Austrians? Yeah. Well, like, you yeah. know how I would or do Russians. it? I would use like... Um, goes over where? Well, I'm sure. I would use analogies, you mm -hmm. know, like of artists that had like done things that hadn't been done before. And I would say, this is what Eminem is, you know? And some people would think I was crazy. What would you say? What was the... Um, I'd use the Elvis analogy a lot, uh -huh. to tell you the truth. Yeah, you know, yeah. because... Like he was doing very credible hip hop music, and like was one of the few white guys to ever do that. I mean, it was yeah. the Beasties, but that was it. And he was at that level where, you know, he was true to the tradition and and really a, a student of it. And I feel like maybe you know, because that's another controversy. But I I believe Elvis was similar in that he was making you know rhythm and blues music in a credible way, and he was yeah. like one of the first white guys to do that. So it was like that. I'd use that analogy, which which seemed to be a shorthand version for people to. At yeah. least understand enough to take a chance on it around the world, um, and then of course you know it, it it kind of proved to be right, so I got lucky. And uh, were there places that were just like yeah, we, we don't we don't everyone good, like I, I, as a fan like I remember being in high school and like hearing those you know hearing I don't, I just don't give a fuck or hearing the the uh, yeah the, the verses on the outsiders on, on those things crazy and the shit was so good that like I couldn't imagine you having to sell. Dude, that. I heard brain damage in Friday Night Live. See, but as a black dude, like yeah. had no idea. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, well, it was. Just, I knew it was white off top. I just knew this this shit was interesting. Like. Well, one of the things he did that was mesmerizing was he was one of the first rappers to really, uh, well, there's that movie about it, right? The Amon, but he would diss himself before other people dissed him. He self was self-deprecating, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was the first, he'd be like, you know, even my name is, the first line is like, watch me do this, kids, I'm fucked up. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, no one had really done that. Maybe like Digital Underground a little bit. Yeah. No one had really taken that tact. Everybody was all about how great they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think digital underground doing it was it, it even in the like take it light in the party setting eminem was like oh he's the beasties kind of himself and did. it's dangerous stuff. the beasties did but i don't know i'm trying to think in a comedic way in you're a, right yeah. he would say hey my mom screwed up my relationship with my daughter would it was kind of it was it was dangerous it was, it was awkward and i like i like or he had songs like 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 i think of like my fault that song was hilarious and like there was not much comedy my that was fault. like yeah, you know where he's like i love kill you yeah. I've always liked that. I just saw him play Little Blues and he did it. And I just, that was I just like love the, that. second record. Bitch, I'm gonna kill you. My favorite, so As, the, as the World Turns, is actually my favorite of those songs. Cause like, that What's was your like, favorite Eminem record? Um, I, I would say uh, one of the ones on this list is such a like asshole choice, but I would say either like Murder Murder or one of the other ones on the Slim Shady EP. Those were my favorite. The some shady EP ones. Were you aware of him like during the Infinite Days and all this stuff? Because like, I mean... Like, do you still have your roots in Michigan, or was he even relevant? No, he. I was older, so no. Um, I know Paul, who manages them, knew, or he says he knew about Maroon. I think he did, because he was in a hip-hop group, again, later, because he was younger. Mm -hmm. I think they were called Rhythm Cartel. Oh, so okay. he may have heard, of, he, he says he heard about Maroon. I don't know. Um, it was later. I, I met Eminem in Jimmy Iovine's office, actually, at, okay. the, at the end of 98. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, of course, I mean, we, you know... I met Paul and then 
you know, we... What was, like, like when they're like, oh, this is guy Eminem. Like, you might like him. Like, how does, like, like, it's like, that was the new... Had they signed him at that point, or...? Yeah, oh, yeah, he was signed. I came over from A&M, he was already signed, and the record was coming out already, so, you know, all that stuff from before, I didn't... I wasn't part of that, but um, the tricky part for me was was to get Paul and M to kind of have faith and come abroad with me, you know, that it, that it would work and it would resonate there, and uh, at first it was... It was a lot of work. Where would you start with? Like, would you start in the UK and Australia? We, we started or? in we started in Europe, but you know, it was such a phenomenon that we, you know, because it was selling so crazy in the US, so there's a pressure on me too, you know. So Canada, Australia, but the first sort of international trips. Well, first we brought people to speak with him from the press in New York, and I remember he was doing a, an MTV interview, and I always I always have this image with Paul and M because to get out, it was right when My Name Was Was Blowing Up, and I had The Face, the magazine from the UK there, to mm -hmm. talk to them. And um, I was trying to schedule the interview. I mean, it was approved, but I was trying to get it done while yeah. he was doing TRL, and the kids were going crazy and whatever. Yeah. We finally got it done, and then there was a mad rush to the door to like from all these kids, and Paul took M on his back, yeah. and he walked him to the van. And I, I always, that's kind of how I see their relationship. That's like he, he was just as like, Protector, you know what I mean? Bodyguard. Yeah. Paul's a big guy, but yeah. he just loved him, and and we made it to the van. I got in the van, and then the kids started kind of rocking the van, which kind of freaked me out. Yeah. But that's when you knew, uh oh, this is gonna be it's huge. Done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's before we'd ever taken him to Europe. And after that, he went to Europe and several times and yeah. exploded there. Yeah. Okay. It was fun. It was really fun. So then, and then you like end up doing Fifty. I'm sure, like we're working. Yeah. Like, it I was just noticed that me and Jeff, you have matching shoes on. I looked down. Sambas. You should describe them for it's the listeners. Awkward. You know, this Adidas Sambas. Mine are like they a blue suede them. that are falling apart at the seams, literally. Mine's are, you know, black leather with the suede detail and the, you know, the gum sole. Not gum sole, but it's like brown, brown sole. But you know, interesting. It's neither here nor there. Does that happen often? It, I mean, where you guys coordinate? I think. I think. It's our new gimmick. <laughs> I think this is a thing. It's like an can, ebony and ivory can, kind of see, thing. See, the thing is, it's the same. It's the same model shoe, right? Same model. And yet. Yours, Jeff, exudes hiking. You're, you're more of soccer. Homelessness. Because, because, <laughs> because of the sock combination. You got a little you know, indoor soccer thing happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. hipster or homeless kind of thing yeah. going yeah. for me. Um, that's, that's that I don't want you to know how much money I have, look. That's yours right there. Oh, okay. The, I don't, I'm lazy and yeah. I don't buy new shoes. Um, anyways. Both so, of your pair of shoes, though, are, are, are quite old. Yeah, they are. They're not. They're not new shoes. They're not my, No, no. These are like at least three. These are my actually my lucky shoes, and I let my little sister borrow these. To um, she had to do some like volunteer work. She's got your shoe size. My little sister is like fucking my height, same shoe. She size. wore those shoes. Wore and how did shoes. it go with her volunteer work? Um, you know, I you know I had had a you know. Why are those your lucky <laughs> shoes? I had to hunt her down because I've I've walked across the world in these, man. Yeah. You know, beautiful. And so I, I like them a lot. And you know, and and they've held up and they've done done right for me. And and even though they look old, you know, I can just wipe them down. Yeah, they're black. They're good. Yeah. Shout out to little boozy. Do you get Do you get attached to lots of things or just your shoes? I get attached to so many. things. Really? Oh yeah. Are you like a hoarder? Um, no, because I'm very selective. Okay. With the things. But you just said lots of things. You said lots of things. That's not selective. Well, maybe they're small things. It's not that they're small. It's just that I can name them all and I can just put them away. And I mean, it's more than it's more than a, it's more than a little. Okay. I know this is a tangent, but how do you make the distinction between making something sentimental and th that you're gonna 
cherish and something that you just like okay throw away disposable um you know i'm trying I, to learn here i have to just have this moment with the shoe okay, or something got it. you know I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> some know, amazing experience i'll be somewhere and i'll look down and be like man You've been with me a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl. Yeah. It's just, it's We've just been like here that. so much. It's just like that. I was just going to throw you away. It's like, I, I can't I do it. I know yeah. I have other pairs, yeah. but you're the only one I want to wear when I come home. Dude, I have, like, a pair of Jordans. I would never wear those shoes. I have, like, boots from some boot companies. I can't wear those <laughs> That's boots. a very specific. I got I boots. I got some boots. You should put that in one of your wraps. I got boots from boot companies. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of boots? doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, that's good I want to hear about we're like we're still like 10, we still have 10 years of Martin's life to go so we could keep going from your why is your life so interesting <laughs> no it's not that interesting 50 you had to make two episodes 50 I had a funny meeting with 50 and a sergeant from Scotland Yard once in the UK please continue yeah and uh, it was such a surreal thing man it was because 50 so smart and so articulate he is the smartest person I've ever interviewed in my and by the way he's a superstar like I think hip hop We'll always need 50 Cent because he just walks in a room and you have no idea what he's going to say next. He's, which a, great, is, he's a great supervillain. Which is so exciting, right? He's the devil. Uh, <laughs> he's the devil. He also writes pretty good hooks. Yeah. He does. Um, but anyway, this meeting was crazy and uh, it was about whether or not um, you know, he was going to be allowed to play and we sort of had to be diplomatic and, and they tailed him the whole trip. You know, I mean, there was always this Scotland Yard thing with Eminem. And, well, New and, York is like that too. Like the hip-hop police was like yeah but it's kind of funny because uh it was unnecessary yeah. you know what i mean and the show ended up going on and it was just it was, was sort of a, of his beef with the game where like there's a shooting uh i don't think it had to do with that I, I i don't know it was one of those things where like they just wanted to show him that they're watching him oh, yeah. you're in our country you know but we're watching you at the same time let's but everybody say, treated him great by the way everybody in the country treated him amazingly I was like, let's say you're playing london that's like a place that people get robbed like you know like that's a place so I'd imagine like the police. They're, what like, place isn't a place that people get? Cameron robbed. got robbed. You know, no, pe Cameron people. People like like the first like London out. was one of those cities that when I went there the first time and all you know all the lore that you get where you're just like London Scotland Yard Big Ben and you get there and you're like there's projects everywhere. These people are drunk in the daytime. There's a <laughs> bunch of fucked up things happening in London all the time. And so, like, you know, the police are following you around because they're trying to keep you in check. But really, they need to follow you around because there's a fucking millionaire and there's assholes out here that probably would love to fucking stab him with a fucking two, two Do you think they were night. protecting 50? No, I don't think they were. But yeah. you know, they're doing what cops do, which is, you know. They were probably getting pressure from, from groups, you know, like, because he was coming through and maybe their kids were going to go see the show. And you know, yeah. who knows? But in the end, it ended up being great. And, and you know what? They just sat us down for about an hour yeah, yeah. and just talked to us. And 50 was really patient. He, he knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, but everybody, I mean, everybody in the audience was incredible. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't matter. So, and then like you started Cherry Tree in 2015. Or 2005. Yes. In the future. That, is, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Would be, oh, no, I know you pre-record the podcast, yeah. but wow, this is... <laughs> This yeah. is advanced planning. <laughs> yeah, two, well, we started at, like, tail end of 2004, beginning of 2005, but I, I always say 2005 because I, you know, the Levi's, or isn't there five in the in the, in the the Levi's established in 19, 1895 or something? I always think five sounds it good be, for It might be 1845, 1850. It's a, it's a five. I know it was founded during the gold rush because Levi Strauss was a famed, like, a prospect. Yeah. He worked, we sold like, stuff to the prospector. Right, well, there you go. It had a five in it, so yeah. I just thought, okay. And we put out our the first album. The Wild West. Continue. No, no, we put out our first. The only one. <laughs> the only one. I don't know. We don't like camping. It was pretty amazing that he made it. Like why? Like, why did, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen a Jewish person camp before. I've seen a few, but we don't like rain. I don't know. Martin's different though. He can like change the tire. 
<laughs> Continue. Well, um, what was I saying? Yeah, our first album came out in April 2005, Feist. So we say that that's when we established the label. But I actually that's, think... Feist is my, that's my guilty pleasure right there. Why is that guilty? What do you? What is that? Because I'm a hardcore rap dude from the hood, bro. What? I can't... No, <laughs> I'm just joking. That's what that was... No, that... I, I just like Feist. You have black fingernails. There's no guilt at one point. Uh, that, no guilty pleasures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's after that. I can't. I, they're all just pleasures. Have you heard, you know, I produced a record for Feist Movement. We sampled Feist. It's the only record Feist has ever allowed anyone to sample. Really? really? It's, called Little, it's called Little Bird. Okay. We sampled a record from our last album, Metals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, called Caught Along Wind. I'll it's, check it out. It was great. Um, but yeah, but I think we had a 12-inch before that by Flipside. Mm -hmm. uh, a song called U.S. History. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't out commercially, so technically our first release was Feist. Where, was Feist was doing independent stuff before that, right? Yeah, she was uh, in a group called Broken Social Scene. Oh, and oh then, yeah, of course. And then Obviously. she moved to Europe. You probably know this. And she did shows with Peaches. I didn't know that. She no. got oh, dressed really? in a plastic bag and would be her, her like hype man, basically. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I, I can't remember her. I think her stage name was like Bitch Slap Slap or something. Really? Yeah, and they lived in Berlin together. And then she uh, Feist random. moved to uh, Paris where she recorded that Let It Die album. And this is, this is after Canada. She was, she was, this is, yeah. yeah, I mean, she, well, she's, a, she's Canadian and has a place in Canada, but she was kind of living in Europe at the time. Vagabond, and she yeah. met some French producers and also some friends from Canada came over and they made this record, Let It Die. And um, I saw her actually in, in Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. I went to see a show. I've heard about her, and I went to see a show, and it was just her with a guitar and all these loop pedals. Yeah. Was it a show? Or was it just a, a one? It was a show? bar. It was a bar. It was a bar, and it was jam packed. And I actually saw it hanging from the stairwell. You know, there's no fire codes there. Mm -hmm. It was like it was jam packed, and I was like hanging from the from the from the stairs or whatever. And um, and she was amazing, man. She was like like a bullfighter. Mm -hmm. You know, she just controlled the flow of everything in that bar. And I freaked out, and I said, "I got to sign you." And she said. I don't really want to sign to a major. And I said, well, this is great because I actually am starting my own little label kind of inside a major. And I explained it to her. And we still use this to this day. She said, oh, I get it. You're a mom and pop store inside a department store. Yeah. And I said, yes. And I still use that to describe it. And then she, she signed to Cherry Tree. She's the first artist to commit. And which is, I'm really grateful to her because Cherry Tree was just a figment of my imagination. There were no yeah. artists on the roster. Yeah. You know, and what a great way to start. With, with a Feist record. Now, how did it come about? Did Was it like a thing with you and Jimmy Iovine? Was it like a conversation? Like yeah, well, I was doing, uh, I'd gone, f I was doing international marketing at first when I came over from A&M, and then Jimmy just kind of noticed that I was musical, you know, which was really a, a new thing because when I worked at in the Polygram system, you know, you were either, you were either A&R music guy or you were a marketing guy, mm -hmm. and there wasn't anybody thinking about... Well, somebody. he was like one of the first two because he was a big engineer, right? Right, he's a producer. producer, right, exactly. Yeah. So so he kind of noticed in meetings, oh, you, you're making some musical comments, and he said to me, hey, when you're out there selling our M&M records in Limp Bizkit, why don't you see if you can find an artist from abroad that we could sell here, mm -hmm. you know? Which, which sounds like sort of intuitive, but it wasn't being done at the time by any labels. You know, people were focusing on, on domestic artists, and you know that's what he's great at. He's sort of great at, at getting every everybody's best skills out of them. You know, mm -hmm. he's a great coach and a great, um, you know, uh, motivation motiv motivator. And so, yeah. So I started. I found this. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of crazy, but I thought, okay, if I find an act from abroad, it shouldn't be a hip hop act. It shouldn't be a rock act because there's like 20 of those at Interscope. I'll be like last in line. Mm -hmm. So I signed an opera singer, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I I played it for him, and he's like, well. An opera singer, and I was Why like, do you do this? "Right." He's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, <laughs> "I said it's really good." He's got this song called Luna. 
uh, he's amazing. He's like, well, okay, how do you want to market this? And I said, I want to make a PBS special. And he's like, okay. I mean, he's great that way. He's like, okay, you know, you look like you got that crazy look in your eyes. Let's, let's try it. Yeah. So I did this PBS special in like Sicily and uh, the whole thing was set to run uh, on, I think it was September 24th, 2001. Oh, right. And you know how it works with PBS. It's their pledge drives. Oh, yeah. So you show the show and if it gets a lot of pledge drives, the show, then they run it again. Uh-huh. And every time they run it, of course, hopefully it sells albums because people are exposed to music. Well, everybody was donating to New York City because of September 11th, yeah. and the PBS special just tanked. Oh, wow. So I thought, okay, well, that's it for me as an A&R guy. I'm just going to do international. That's a crazy gamble for your first it was, move. Yeah, that's but in tight. retrospect, I kind of always do that. I just Because yeah. I knew that if I signed an act that was going to be like 15th in line, I was never going to yeah. have a shot. So yeah. anyway, it looked like I just failed miserably, and then Jimmy calls me into his office like three months later, and he's like, incredible job on Alessandro Safina. And I was like... <laughs> Are you making fun of me? I seriously said, I said, you making fun of me because it tanked. He goes, no, man, it sold 250,000 units in Holland. Yeah. I said, I said, yeah, I know, because we had a hit on the radio. The size of fucking right, bro. so it was huge. <laughs> right, it was huge. I said, well, we had a hit on the radio there. And he's like, he's like, that's amazing. I said, really? He goes, I don't care where you sell it. As long as it sells, do more. That's yeah. what he said to me. And I was like, whoa, it just blew my mind. And so uh, I was like, okay, I felt great. you know. And so then I signed these Russian girls. Called tattoo. Yeah, that and, sounds familiar too. Uh, this is a great story. Yeah. That, well, it's in your New York. Really that's, good story on, in the New York Times. Well, Jimmy features prominently in this one too because yeah. uh, just again, I played it for him. I was like, oh, I'm really excited about this. He's like, Man, you are crazy. You bring me an opera scene, then you're doing this. He goes, Do they speak English? And I go, No, they don't speak English. And he's like, You got any video on them or something? I said, I got this Russian video. <laughs> so I show him the Russian video, and he's like, Holy crap, this is huge. He's like, This is amazing. Okay, okay, do it. And, and then he says to me, I want you to meet someone. Uh, I'm having lunch with Trevor Horn. Have you heard of him? I'm like, he's like my hero. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, we're having lunch. Why don't you come over? So we had lunch, and uh, in the process of like Trevor talking about uh, all the records he'd produced, like, you know, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Grace Jones and Yes, and he was in The Buggles. He did Video Kill the Radio Star. And then Jimmy's talking about Tom Petty and Crazy. Bruce Springsteen. It was like an incredible lunch yeah. to be in. Yeah. And the whole time Jimmy's like, hey, Trevor, we got to work together here. Here's an Enrique Iglesias record. Here's a Sheryl Crow record. You know, just work on whatever you want. We want to do some stuff, right? So Trevor's got like a pile of 10 CDs at the end of lunch. And I'm like, here, I'll walk you out. So he says bye to Jimmy. And on the way out is my office. So I go, look, man, can you just duck in here and check out this this song, this video? It's this Russian group. I kind of think it's like Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you know? And he watches. He's like, hmm, this is interesting. Here, put it on top. So he walks out with 11 CDs, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a Friday, I remember, and he goes, I'll call you Monday and I'll tell you which one of these CDs I'm, I'm gonna work on. He calls me, he's like, I wanna work on Tattoo with you. Yeah. Out of all the stuff that Jimmy had given him. And, you know, I hadn't, I put, I hadn't had the girls record in English. One of them didn't even speak English. And we all met in London and we started recording and it was just like magic, you know? How did you even find them in the first place? I got, I got it sent to me from our Russian office, Universal Russia. And I was the last guy they sent it to. They sent it to everybody. They'd flown them out to New York to meet with labels there, and everybody passed. And I just heard the music. I didn't speak Russian, but I, I love their voices. They reminded me of ABBA. Mm-hmm. And, and also the, the music was like, it was, it was like Western, but it had a different thing. Yeah. It was like Western pop music with a, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a... What's well, Russian? Russians are just, they're, yeah. they're an other unto themselves. And it was amazing. It's not quite Europe, but it's not quite Asia. It's it, just It was, Russia. exactly. It's, it stood out. And their voices were really extraordinary. So... Anyway, we went to London, we, we started recording, and, and I didn't get a lot of money for the project because it was a pretty speculative thing. So I took all my money and I gave it to Trevor. And so Trevor, we did three songs with that money, 
right? Mm -hmm. But by then, all the things she said, which, and by the way, Char was like, why don't you write it with me? So we wrote it together, which mm -hmm. was crazy, right? I'm writing with one of my heroes, and then the song starts taking off mm -hmm. in Europe, goes number one in the UK, it's like nuts, and I have no money to finish the album, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, what am I gonna do? Trevor, will you do it for me? He's like, no, you, you, you can't afford, I can't do this, you know, I gotta do other jobs. Yeah. He goes, why don't you do it, right? Mm -hmm. And I hadn't, I hadn't been producing in a while, because I'd been really just doing international marketing, and I went, talked to my wife, and I was like, do you think I should do this? And she's like, well, if Trevor Horn thinks you can do it, you should do it. Might as well go for it. So I ended up producing another like seven songs, put out the album, we sold five million records. That's it's crazy. That's crazy. That's yeah. So I don't know what we were talking about, but that's No, 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 we're just kind of going through. So then was Gaga next in that kind of line? No, then like... I signed a band called Keen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who were great. And, and their big thing was that they didn't use guitars, but they were a rock band, uh -huh. which I know a lot of people do that now, but back then it was odd. So, so much so that we made promotional picks as a joke, you know, guitar picks. Yeah, yeah. Have right, they don't, have, they don't have a guitar player. So, so that was great. And then, uh, and then after that, I know what we were talking about. Then I asked Jimmy, "Hey, can I start branding my crazy weird signings? You know, my sort of left of the dial." Uh -huh. And he was like, "Yeah." And so that's when we started Cherry Tree. Oh, okay. And that was around 2005, and then signed Feist, and that's yeah. why Cherry Tree came about. I, I wanted to create a platform that would kind of explain my taste, but also kind of keep like people coming back, so they would. You know, so it was like they, the artists would have a leg up on other artists that were just coming out of no culture or anything. This well, is like a platform. Well, it would just seem that like, you know, it, and this is, most pop music, it seems like the songs that you most often hear on the radio are the ones that could be interchangeable. Like any one, and the songs I think that if it seems like you try to release are not those kind of, like there are artists that maybe don't fit a particular, I mean, we talked about Disclosure, Yeah. you know, and we're kind of jumping forward, but like Disclosure, if you they don't like if you heard disclosure you would never be like oh that's a major label label act that's going to be a star but sometimes you'll hear an underground song and you're like this could probably be a hit if it were in the right and obviously like latch and white noise or just like maybe just curious you know did you just talk no about i'm that? attracted to to music that that pushes the creative tradition you know what i mean the pop music that's what's interesting to me so yeah it makes life harder for us but i think that it, it shifts culture if we get it right, you know, rather than just have a hit. Totally. And I, I feel mean, like disclosure already like, you know, it's done a very good thing for uh for, for raves and things of that nature because oh, yeah. it's not so it's not so bro y now. To it hard, it was like one of the you only know what I'm saying? It's like, like, <laughs> like I see what you're saying. It's like it's, 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 it's them and DJ Mustard they, are the only they, two things that, and Julio Rashmore yeah, like too. You know, so yeah, you, you get to like the super urban I shit do and then Dumont. you get some like feel, like feel good shit. But I even really, like like disclosure pops and then you you do Dumont who's great, but then Five other labels are going to sign. They're going to look for their own disclosure. What's well, already kind of happening mm -hmm. is Clean yeah. Bandit, and, Gorgon and, City, and, yeah, like, exactly. Rudimental, and like yeah. But that's that's fine. There's always yeah. somebody who kind of breaks out of the scene and, and exposes. Yeah. There's a great quote that uh, I I just interviewed Mark Cuban, mm. and he goes, he was paraphr he was quoting Warren Buffett, and he was like, first come the innovators, then come the imitators, then come the idiots. Mm. That's funny. And I thought I was like, that's a good quote. Yeah, it's life though. He's got some good quotes. <laughs> Warren Buffett, yeah, he knows what he's doing. My 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 buddy. Warren Buffett doesn't study tape, and neither does Floyd Mayweather. I like those two people. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't... They it's like not me. listening to your live show ever. Yeah, right? yeah. it's like, well, well, I'm that... not going to fucking... No, I'm not going to fucking watch that other fighter. I'm going to train to be the best fighter. Or oh, I gonna... see. I thought you meant they don't watch themselves. Or they don't watch... They, Anything. Just, they, yeah. They're like, yeah. I just focus on they're what's, composed. what's next. But going you know? back, yeah. going back yeah. to this, and that's my problem with a lot of pop music, because you, know, you, you mentioned uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood or uh, Video Killed the ra Radio Star. Yeah. Those are pop hits. That you know, they're both synth pop songs, but, but totally progressive records. Like no, progressive records. And think about what else Trevor Horn did: Buffalo Gals, yeah, mm -hmm. right, it was amazing. ABC, amazing Poison Arrow, uh, Art of Noise, 
Uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart. You know, heart, I want to yes. say I don't understand Art of Noise. That's the only instrumental fucking record. Like this is like that's some real '90s shit. And it's like there's no instrumental record that like since then that has like permeated. Like as a child, I'd be like, that's the song that I want to hear right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's no instrumental records like that. Weird with that me, are, but like, I grew, like Depeche Mode. That was when I was a kid. That was the first like pop song that I remember loving. Was like Policy of Truth and Enjoy the Silence, wow. which are like not pop songs if you think about it but like yeah. it's sort of like a disclosure kind just of thing not where it's like songs. but maybe those are the most pop songs that's what I'm saying so, yeah you know? like yeah. there's shouldn't, well, it's just interesting how like and I feel like that's what's cool about like because you talk about doing crazy risks and I feel like the music industry is sort of like it's become have you felt like since you started doing it it's become an increasingly risk averse place uh, well yeah but there's a reason for that I mean you know slowly uh, everything became consolidated you know and these big companies emerged and they're owned by bigger companies that are you know publicly traded and they have to deliver yeah. quarterly results and employees are afraid to lose you know people got mortgages and stuff like they're afraid mm. to lose their salaries and if they don't do and the other thing is when you start accounting quarterly you truncate the time you have to develop a group mm. you know but I was lucky because I was in an environment that was very stable you know Jimmy ran the company for so long and he was such a um, he found Tupac basically and so many other things yeah. and so many other amazing creative things and he had such a reputation that people gave him time yeah. if he said that record's not ready to come out they wouldn't say well, it's got to come out because this quarter needs they would they would give him you know the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the time he needed and so that was a good environment to start Cherry Tree in because we were gravitating towards groups that were going to take and we still do that were going to take a, longer than a, a, a quarter cycle to, to yeah, break well disclosure I mean what I Two, What's two years <laughs> yeah like I mean I, I was doing the story on for Billboard and like you're talking I'm talking to the radio directors and I people are like you know like in the underground a pitchfork had given them like a crazy score like a year and a half prior mm. but Latch didn't even start breaking on the radio until like a year and a half later mm. and it's still you know, it, it was tough at first because Latch is in 6-8 time signature which is there hasn't been a song like that on the radio for a while you know like uh, like everybody wants to rule the world Tears for Fears 6-8 you know it's not, it's not that crazy if you think about it it's all over the radio now so but you know, people find things to uh, not people. Certain gatekeepers find things to, to, uh, to quote to, to prevent. You know, whatever. You just have to. If you believe in it, you just you just keep going. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's why I think I'm proud that Cherry Tree does is that if we, we we're selective, and when we build with somebody, we we just keep going. Now sometimes we fail. You know, we'll try everything we know in our arsenal and it doesn't work, but. Um, I was we, gonna ask. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. But you. we know we we don't stop until yeah. we know or it breaks. And this know? is always one of my uh, the, my my most sad things of covering music because I always thought the Nux were like the most talent one of the most talented groups I've well, ever. Well, we come across. we had the pleasure and the privilege to have one of their albums. I, I yeah. it's one of my favorite albums ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I remember saying talking to Billboard saying it made me feel like when I heard the Clash. Yeah. I don't know if you like the last record, but yeah. I just I just love that record. I don't love it, but there's a but like well, you were, it's you, craftsmanship. It's like very oh, it's a man. very well written. You like it? Album. You, you thought it was not like a departure from their hip hop stuff, right? Yeah, I just that's like, what it was. But yeah. it's it, they're good pop songs. Yeah. But like for me, that's not what I was wanting out of that. Right. I like the dirty psychedelic weird shit yeah, yeah, that yeah. most people didn't hear. Yeah. Like when they would do like, but like that's just my taste. But like there was no fronting on like how well those songs were made they were they're all like, very well well that was the and that was the why Why do you think they didn't because it's sometimes and you've had this obviously with a bunch of other groups you know mm-hmm. like sometimes and I could never figure out why they Except sometimes it's timing you yeah. know sometimes I, it's, they're ahead of their they were I mean yeah it's just about like like uh, the climate the musical climate and the zeitgeist combining with what the output is. The Look at this kid Rory now that like everyone's like yeah. gung ho on like he's mm-hmm. basically doing what the Nux were doing seven years after the fact 
Yeah, you know? but you, and the Nux were writing t- better songs. You like, can be no, too ahead of your time, I guess. Well, even Kid Cudi, like Kid Cudi, was a big Nux fan, and like he, I think, got some. Inf- they were good friends. We have an artist on Cherry Tree that influences everybody. Robin. Yeah. Everyone talks about Robin. We've been working with yeah. her for almost eight years, and yeah. Robin I feel like is she's she so progressive. A, she's so ahead that that's happened to us a couple times with yeah. her. Is know? she like a singer and a songwriter? I was in some studio, I think, and somebody was like, like singing the praises of like she like came and did she worked on something but she played some song of she, yeah she's from Sweden and okay. she had uh, yeah. big hits when she was a teenager here in the US okay and then um, she kind of went back to Sweden and kind of stopped she was on BMG and it she felt like it kind of it was like right around the Britney Spears time she mm-hmm. her big hit her first big hit was a song she wrote with Max Martin mm-hmm. oh, wow. before baby hit me one more yeah. time mm-hmm. and uh, and she felt like it kind of got out of control and so she kind of went back to Sweden and started her own little label mm-hmm. and she built this sound which is kind of an electronic dance pop but but alternative sound and then it started breaking out of there and then it got played by Steve Mac on Radio 1 and then I heard about it and we signed it for North America we licensed it from mm-hmm. her label you know mm-hmm. which she still runs but now she's doing it in her own in her own so she uh, mean, she terms. Was the Hollywood Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, so she, I mean, she's... Yeah, sold out Hollywood Bowl, sold out Radio City Music yeah. Hall. But it's been kind of, on her own terms, incremental, you know, and she has a lot of credibility. Like, mm-hmm. Katy Perry took her out on tour, um, yeah. but, you know, Pitchfork loves her, but, like, everybody... Yeah, she's, just, like, on the top of the Pitchfork. Well, like, Annie, too, I thought had great pop songs, but never really broke major in America. Sometimes it's just weird. Well, you guys have Jesse Ware, too, right? Yeah, we put out the first Jesse Ware record. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good record. The second yeah. Jesse Ware record now is coming out on uh, on Benny Blanco's label through okay. Interscope. Yeah. But, um, and then how did you find Lady Gaga? What was the show? Actually, was long actually um, there was a guy named Vincent Herbert that had a joint venture with Interscope who walked her into my office. And uh, she had... She was brunette then. She hadn't dyed her hair blonde yet. And we started talking about Prince, you know, <laughs> Prince records. And I said, oh, I got a lot of the old drum machines I used to use. And she's like, oh, can I come over? Let's write music. That's kind of how I met her, through yeah. writing music. And That's then easy. she came to my house. And uh, I had my studio in my garage at the time. And we wrote a song called The Fame. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Literally the first day. Yeah. And then she said, I'll never forget, she said, I'm going to name this my album. I got a whole concept. I was like, you got a concept for an album? Like, a yeah, concept right album? Now? sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then we ended up... Um, we wrote a bunch more songs. Uh, four of them are on the debut, and then and then you know I A and R the record with Vince. Um, and I remember working on the music. And one weekend, she was just she was always writing and, and trying to improve on what we had. And then she wrote. And one weekend, she wrote Just Dance, Poker Face, and a song called Paper Gangster. Damn. Damn. And she came in on Monday and played them for me. And she was expecting me to say what I was always saying, which is, "That's really great and better than last week. Keep going." And instead, I said, "Holy crap! Let's press the 12 inch right now. Just dance your first single. Let's We're go." Done. Yeah. And she was like, "Whoa!" And I remember that um, it was difficult here at first, but we we got some support from our Swedish company, uh-huh. and uh, they took it to radio. And Just Dance went number one there. And I sent her over there. We shot a video. In fact, flip sides in that video. The band flip side was on Cherry Tree at the time. Yeah. Um, and then and then it broke in Canada, next in Australia. And I remember, I think it's one of the few times it's ever happened. An American act goes number one at top forty in Canada without any top forty station in America having played it. Because yeah. they're very, you know, connected those yeah. those formats. And um, and in fact, I think the first station to ever play a Lady Gaga uh, Just Dance was Buffalo because they felt, you know, the pressure from oh. from Chum FM in Toronto and all the other stations. And then it spread like crazy because we were doing all this marketing. We did this viral, I don't know if you guys ever saw, we did this viral show called Transmission Gaga Vision, which we'd put up every Tuesday at six o'clock in black and white. 
I mean, it's cool because if you watch it now, there's 40 episodes. You kind of see Gaga breaking because we did it in real time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so but, it so was weekly, like for a year. Weekly for That's well, tight. 40 weeks. 40. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and and we did uh we did a we actually put her on tour because I was A&Ring the New Kids on the Block album, the reunion album. So we put her on tour opening for them, yeah. and she would open for them, clear by like 7.30, and then go do a club. So she's doing two gigs a night. Yeah, yeah, And that was all happening while we were breaking it in Sweden, Canada, and Australia. So all that stuff kind of converged. What kind of clubs was she, was she playing? Gay clubs. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So she'd do the new kids, and then she would play gay clubs. So yeah. I was going to ask you a question. So like, obviously you came up like as this huge hip-hop head. Like, Was there a point <laughs> where, like, you know, I think a lot of like hip-hop like heads have that thing where it's like, Okay, cat. Like, was there a moment when you're like, okay, I'm, I mean, you probably always liked pop when you were a young kid. Yeah. I think everyone, the first music they kind of like is generally like pop music. Yeah. Was there a moment when you were like, fuck it, I like this, and I'm just gonna go? Yeah, I don't it. have that thing. Maybe yeah. because I'm yeah. older than you guys, I don't have that guilty pleasure thing. That's why I'm so curious. I mean, well, if you, I feel like if you came of age as a hip hop fan in the '90s, that whole keep it real mantra is at some point kind of brainlessly pounded into you, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, and so you feel bad for. Like you deserted or sold out or something. I, I mean, I never I like, had that. I like I, I like some pop songs. Like I, but I have weird. Like my like you know I don't write about it. But you got to remember because, when I was into yeah. hip hop was really early days. So hip hop had a lot of humor mm-hmm. and a lot of pop, or, and it wasn't like you didn't have to be shot to rap totally. then in, in the eighties. The eighties mm-hmm. was still a lot of party music. Totally. So it wasn't as as uh, it was welcoming and it wasn't as daunting and also well, it's almost gone back now to being like completely mostly party music the stuff that's popular. It was just super innovative, man. It was amazing. It was like you know Egyptian Lover, Houdini, I'm Running MC, Egyptian Lover, actually, uh, right now. Amazing, yeah. uh, L.A. Dream Team, you know mm-hmm. uh, J.J. Fad, jo- Rodney Ojo Cooley. Imagine all those records. They were big party dun, records dun, too. Dun, dun, amazing. That Rodney Ojo Cooley shit was like is, my thing. I love that that yeah. everlasting bass. Yeah. You know what that album was called? From, it's called it? Fuck New York. How crazy is that? I think... Uh, That's insane. Somebody told me a story about, like, Joe Cooley was a DJ, right? Yeah. yeah. Ronnie O was a rapper. Ro- Ronnie O was a rapper. Like, um, I think, like, Joe Cooley did some, like, battle out, like, like out east. Do you know about this? I, I don't know, but they just called out that Fuck New York was the name of the album. Yeah. Well, With that song you're doing is You Don't Hear Me, though, right? You Don't, hear, you me don't hear Me, though. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the story is Joe Cooley, like, entered some battle and just got, like kind of like dicked out of the out of the winning just because you know he had like either he had like cornrows or a jerry curl or some shit he, he had like a look. well they didn't respect you until until like uh until nwa i, I mean yeah like, they, they until didn't you name your album fuck new Cube. york yeah that's kind of yeah, that's, that's a little antagonistic yeah. right that's there. the first poke like Tim that Dog. record's amazing Tim Dog would take offense yeah. at that that record's amazing <laughs> he was a great dj too man he yeah. was just like scratch like nobody's business anyway we were influenced a lot i i liked a lot of the west coast stuff yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, it was funky, and I like funk. And in, in the Midwest, it's fun. You know, it's all about Ohio yeah. players. And, well, day and Zap. Ohio is like the cradle of funk. Yeah, Zap. The cradle. Of I'm about funk. to play some Zap records this that, afternoon. Is that a thing? Oh, don't you worry. I got the many faces the of rock. Cradle of <laughs> funk. Have you ever seen? It is no, because Ohio players number one. Uh, are you going to talk about Roger Slave YouTube Roger videos Trump. right now? What are you going to talk about? Because I, I go like crazy. Oh, the Roger Troutman. Have you seen him on like Soul Train? Like, yes. Soul Train you do the, this? Yeah. I seriously, every few months. Yeah, he's I the just, greatest of all time. I just or one of the Google Roger from Zap. Yeah, yeah. He played guitar. Too. He did it's in the, the interviews where he brings the, the talk box. Yeah, I mean, him and I'll, Prince, I'll like, him and Prince because, are on the same level as far as I'm concerned. They're like both at that top where like I'm not even going to compare them. I don't know if anybody's ever asked Prince this, but I'm sure Roger must have been an influence on him. Had to. He doesn't ever talk about Roger or Rick James, but he talks him. about like Larry Graham and, and Sly Stone. But I, I'm sure that had to. I mean, yeah. who, my aunt used to date Roger, so that's kind of. Are weird. you serious? Yeah, yeah. Or like my aunt was like a jump off. 
It's your family. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's like ah, I don't know. Sure, right, right, right. That's weird for you. Um, we maybe shouldn't be googling. <laughs> so I was also gonna say you um, like this. This is just a video. random question because I totally am writing a column for LA Weekly and this will come out way after. Why are there no rap albums put out on major labels anymore? There's like been four this wait, year. Wait, 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 wait. Is that true? No, but like okay, th- but think about off the top of your head. Okay, there's been the Young Jeezy's now coming out. Rick Ross had one. Future had one. Wiz Khalifa had YG. one. YG, YG had major. one. Yeah. Niggy YG Azalea. shit was tight. And Iggy Azalea. That's popping. like six albums that you can name. It's almost it's it's almost September. It's gonna be September in like two days. So that's like six albums on four. He- like you guys could better answer that question. I'll tell you, me. This why do you right think now, that is? I've got homies. I've got friends. I've got hella people like like uh, people that I used to like rap with in ciphers, and we've all kind of grown up. And this dude's like you know ain't already in score, but this dude's doing this over here. Everybody's who's that guy? They ain't our guy. I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say it. I know, but you do know him. Yeah, but um, he's a good guy. Everybody's a good guy. Yeah, I know. But everybody's gun shy. Everybody's everybody's looking for uh, Odd Future and Kendrick again, or like you know, there's no you know, like there's nobody that's willing to take risk. And also, I've I've. I can personally but say But they can't this. get a release date. Is that's the thing. Like, oh, is it? The, but I, I no, think... they cannot... No one I can, think the shit that they're Boosie signing is whack. Boosie can't get a release date. Okay, so if I was doing Boosie... See, <laughs> At least the people doing, I know the shit they're label, signing is whack. If I was winning a label, boom. Boosie has three mixtapes. You drop that shit for five bucks a pop and you just made $500,000 because everyone just wanted to hear anything right off the top. And why do you... Why, so if that's I don't the case... Know, yeah. I can't figure it out. Or like, you could have made like $500,000 on Bandcamp if you were a label. If you really... I mean, or like off iTunes or something. I'm doing that. He is that. doing it. His labels, <laughs> yeah. He has the best. He has the best new independent label of the lot. Them and TDE. Yeah, just weird rap. Is this where we weird are rap. right now? This is your. This, awesome. You're the home base of our lives. I mean, I'm That's biased great. as fuck, but it's. No, it's nice to be here. It's, yeah. it's nationally yeah. acclaimed. <laughs> but from from what I can say, like you know, a, a lot of things that you're Little saying. Little Wayne can't get an album release date. Like, but it's probably not good yet. Well, that might that might be. Uh, uh, Jeff, I think you could get an album release date if you wanted. If you really wanted to come out, yeah. Yeah, I think, but I but they but why does it keep on like. Probably I'm, still making it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, okay, so maybe Little Wayne can, but like, you know, Vince Staples is not gonna get his album put out ever. Maybe he will, you know. Mm. But like, he's dope. He's on Def Jam. He's great. Um, I feel like there's, but that isn't that weird that there's only six. Like, I looked in the top fifty albums of, of Billboard right now. Jeff is really. There angry. are two rap albums, and it's, <laughs> it's Iggy Azalea and Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. Those were the only two in the top fifty, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Because I still think it is the predominant party music of America. I think there's a lot of great rap singles. I yeah, like I could do. go on SoundCloud and YouTube all day long and find you amazing. Well, I mean, I I think a lot of it is number one. There's less money, and it goes to the Hollywood blockbuster model, where you're gonna only want to take a chance on a friend. And there's no cherry tree of hip hop like of like independent mm. like of like a hip hop type. Mm-hmm. Um, right here. Yeah, but no, but to get like uh, everything you're saying right now, that's like but I'm hip-hop. like yeah, that's tight. Like I'm like Loki stealing hell ideas from you. Do it, <laughs> yeah. do it. I'm, I'm, just like, I'm all about go, sharing ideas. I gotta think, go to Russia right now. Find me my. Next I just think back. you have to. The thing is, the world is so transparent right now. Like you can see someone's soundtrack from yesterday on YouTube. You know totally. that it's all about the quality of the content, mm-hmm. which has in turn empowered musicians such as yourself. You know, mm-hmm. before we had to go through gatekeepers. Now we can actually talk to our audience directly and convey to them what our intention is and yeah. whatever we want to convey. It's pretty amazing, and you can have, you can get feedback, immediate feedback. You see that blue bar on iTunes, or you yeah. could you could go and see the comments on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. It's like never before, yeah. and I'm really excited by that. So that makes me want to take more chances. I mean, do you think A and Ring is? I mean, because to me, like one of the other things too is that 
you have a bunch of really really talented kids I, I i don't think the talent is like i mean there are certain things i could pick out all day like whereas i think copying is now okay whereas before like you're like no the wild style means that like no biting is allowed like that's like but that's because you're very well researched you got to remember a lot of a lot of people don't know beyond two generations ago well, so, well, so like, what you consider copying, they may not even know is a cover or a sample or. A, I, think, I mean, like I'm just saying, like there's a kid named Your Old Droog right now. Have you heard of this kid, Your Old Droog? No. He literally, like everyone thought he was Nas. Jeff is mad. I'm mad. I don't know. I think like <laughs> I want to think because I'm bummed out. Okay, but how old no, is that? How old is he? 25. Oh, he's but, 25. But he's right. So... No, he's rapping just like Nas, and he knows that he's rapping like Nas, right. and he's feeding into the frenzy where everyone like now it's finally out. He's not Nas, but right. use that for publicity, which is a smart publicity stunt, and I respect right. it on a on a cynical level, but I don't respect it on artistic. Do you level. think in the old days he would have been called out for that? Yes. I right. don't think and, and I don't think all these old guard and, and, magazines would have been like, oh, you sound like Nods, that's great. But do you think it's because I mean I hate to say this, I know it's probably sacrilege, but maybe kids listening to him haven't heard Nas? Is that possible? Totally. But I I'm so, not, is that the out. reason or is no, it? No, I'm, I'm not talking about I don't I understand why they would like him. That, that doesn't bother me. Or or is it that but they, him as like an artist. Right. I'm an artist. I wanna not right. I don't think it's okay to sound like anybody like as a writer. Right. Like I would never want to be like like I love Hunter Thompson like I love Joan Didion like I love like I mean I could go all day and name right. like random writers but like for me to like try to be like a next Hunter Thompson like you'd be like get the fuck out of here right. clown right. you're not I, Hunter I, Thompson I go fuck yourself if it's 20 years and it's like just because there can't be it's if it's 20 time. years old then it's okay to sound like something right it's that's okay. what I'm wondering I'm because wondering like what's no, exactly let's, let's, let's say let's say your, let's say like your mother stealing. was playing or your father was playing Nas records when you were in the car and that like you know that shit just gets in you man but and I then one like, day you wake up and you're just like okay I'm gonna rap and you just start sounding like that you know and yeah you, I or you think it's more premeditated I think, on I think part. you have to first of all no white kid sounds like Nas first of all let's get that out of like, like but like even like but I think like, and I get it like look when David Bowie first started doing it he kind or like T-Rex they were not they were not Mark Bolin he was not David Bowie he was like Davy Jones doing folk songs and like and like I get it like and like Mark Bolin was like hippy dippy they eventually found their own sound and I think that does happen too and I think like but I think there's also a problem that like most people now think it's okay that's all you have to do I can tell you, you this like about hip hop I feel it's a different it's a value thing where hip hop heads really enjoy like comfort they, food. they they yeah it's comfort food like Older they they ones. get they get really scared by, by young thug yeah. whoever like young thug scares them yes. they're like this is something this is a deviation from what I consider to be real and cool hip hop. So sometimes they need to draw draw it back. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I couldn't say I'm a fan because I'm not as knowledgeable. I know Young mm-hmm. Thug, but I'm not like I don't. Know Once you get over the fact that his name is Young Thug, no, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not like, intimidated by that. Yeah, I just I was. <laughs> I was like, I can't like a guy named Young Thug, and then I heard, and then I got to know it. Now I'm obsessed with Young, Young Thug. Young Thug is a guy that's like My he's favorite. just well. I mean, him yeah. and Kevin Gates right now are Kevin Gates. I don't like so much, but you don't like that shit's boring. Yeah. I, I play I play the records at the club too and like what about shit. you guys like Vic Mensa uh, I like his hip house stuff All right. I don't like his raps but when he goes straight hip house I'm like you do hip house well I'm like you could be the next Jungle Brothers <laughs> oh wow the Jungle Brothers I worked with them really yeah that's they, tight they were uh, they're, they're out, they kind of they were out there it was amazing really yeah. out there. kind of ahead of their time too yeah Maroon was around when they were around oh, really? in fact they did yeah. an ID for us mm-hmm. it's floating out there somewhere where they like threw in our video Really? That's tight. Yeah. That's tight. It's funny. I have a tape of that. I mean, they yeah. were like the kind of one of the most formative influences on like the Native Tongue dudes. I think yeah. like they were. I well, mean, hold on. Weren't they thing. in Native Tongue? Well, they were. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying like I think like they were like influencing Daylight and Tribe a lot too. Oh, I'm sure. It's like a mutual kind of thing. But those guys never had that big breakthrough hit, did they? No. I mean, no. Like black is black. How? Yeah. How? How? You? You? So, you've worked 
on they a, had all house on, on a label, an indie label within the major yeah. label that's like been able to farm these hits for these obscure artists, you know, like like you know, uh, you know, the Far East. These are like three Korean kids, you know. Yeah, and, they're uh, amazing. Yeah, they're they're very amazing. But yeah. you know, like, would you guys are, consider them hip hop because they have they're they're very knowledgeable about hip hop. Oh yeah. For oh, sure. they are. But what the thing I respect most about them is that they're like no ex like they know exactly there and they do it really well yeah like they're like yes we're making pop music but it's influenced by the hip-hop tradition yeah. very closely and then they can quote like a million different things well that's what i was gonna say you know where you hear the hip-hop hip hip -hop influence which yeah. is why i signed them yeah is in the lyrics yeah they totally. say stuff they quote records that only if you were like just pouring over hip-hop when records, i first met know. them their dj Ver the verman mix had like egyptian lover on and i was like that's sick All right. yeah Ver like, when they came to low end verman was like hey d styles is here <laughs> like and he like yeah, flipped out he was like i gotta meet d oh, styles no, progress is yeah. like very deep with like obscure hip hop. Yeah. We had Sage Francis on this podcast, and Progress is like commenting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, they really? know their stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's but like, I, see, I think I think it informs their music. Yeah, right? definitely. And, and I also love that they created this amalgam that's their own. Like, yeah. like what is it? Electro hip hop. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's always exciting. Girls on dance. I think Ellis does a great, it's a great amazing. single that they just dropped. Wait but. till you hear the new EP. It's coming out October twenty eighth. Yeah. It's amazing. Have you heard Bang It to the Curb? Yeah, it's a good single. And there's a couple other just. They they're gonna put out the first ever psychedelic electro hip hop song. Oh really? That's yeah, it's called Level. Just wait. It's, it's crazy. Jay Spliff is giving him psychedelic. <laughs> psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Jay Spliff. So, <laughs> name is Jay Spliff. We got deviated high. from my question. Yeah, I'm trying to inform the kids on, out here. Go on, go on. Well, all right. Is that like how do you uh, how do you get these like obscure, weird, you know, unlikely, unlikely guys to make hits that you know are going to actually work on the radio and change things you, you're not gonna believe this but it's true i don't make anybody make anything i, um, find, yeah. I find people with like a cultural movement and, and i just try to amplify that okay seriously that's why it resonates because it comes and, and sometimes it resonates wider than other times like i signed this group called the ant word mm -hmm. that i was just crazy about in south africa and it didn't work all the way, yeah. but but it's still fantastic. The album yeah. we put out, I'm so proud. I mean, it was yeah. one of the craziest things I've ever. I saw that crazy. Show one too. It was very effective, like as like you know how like everybody knew about. Well, them, and it was know? one of the first yeah. big weird viral things that I think had like taken over the internet. But the music was, like, what was the great. Fuck is this? The music was great, yeah. and it's still they're still out there. We we just we put out their first album, but. Um, they seemed very smart. They seemed to have like a very, very meditated oh yeah. idea of what they were doing. Oh yeah, so that's what I look for. I look for someone who's like really sure of their vision, whether it's Robin or Feist or Ellie Golding or LaRue or Gaga, and then just try to amplify that and ride with them. Not not try to be like, let's dilute it to do this or that. Because I feel like, believe it or not, I'd rather try to change the mainstream and bring it to them mm -hmm. than, than dilute them mm -hmm. to get the mainstream. Because in the end, you just end up totally. looking like a chump. Well, that's yeah, what yeah, that's yeah. the thing and I always like talk about like with Kendrick and it's like, you know what? He just got big enough and big enough and big enough, and then made the right songs where it like it just they had to. But play don't you it. feel they come from a real authentic place? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. he's doing. That's who I try to roll with. Like, well, look those at kind swimming pools, Drake. Like if the, crazy. who would say like, oh, crazy, right? Like no one, you couldn't like tell someone to write. Why don't you write an anti-drinking song? That'll be a but big it's hit. But by the way, it's filled with like pain and autobiography. Totally, I mean, it's a can, very depressing feel. Song. Yeah, well, hey, y'all, to me is the saddest song I've ever heard, and everyone's like, whoa. I never thought about that. Hey, yeah, it's like literally we can't make a relationship work. Everyone's getting divorced. I am so lonely and sad about it. What about the polar picture part? Yeah, I mean, but like, that's when you get divorced in the relationship. So you're at the strip club. Just I need to forget about this paperwork. I never thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah. I got to go back and listen to that again. Yeah. It's like I would hear that song and like I'd be out and people would be like really amped. And I'm like, that's like a lot of Robin songs. Robin, like dancing on my own. It's so sad. Yeah. 
So sad. I think a lot of big pops, I mean, like, you know, it's like our, you know, and, that, and that's one of the things that I wish, like, uh, I forget, like, there's a song right now out that I, I, it's, like, escaping me, but it's kind of a sad, popular hit. Well, but, what about, like, Black Widow? Okay. Iggy, Black Iggy Widow, and, and Rita. I mean, that's like, I am not a fan of Iggy Azalea. I'm not have to go. I there's I can I hear her. I'll and, tell you this. I just saw her waist to ass ratio for the first time on a motherfucking image on my phone, and now I am a fan. My daughters are a fan. I bought the CD. I bought your uh, your mailbox is gonna just be inundated right now. It's just it's <laughs> that's like, like nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna make that's gonna make yeah. the anti fur people look like they just. You know, set yeah. a few postcards. I just can't. I can't get down. I would like to see the voice. I would like to see Iggy Azalea in like a fucking pelt, in like just a skin tight <laughs> lizard pelt. Uh, but I, you but know, like, <laughs> I really like Swaggy P, her boyfriend. He's one of my favorite players, and he's a sweetheart. He's, he's fun to watch. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big Lakers fan too, oh, and yeah. I love him. Yeah. I covered them last year, but we'll talk about that off there. I want to know about that, though. That's interesting. Yeah, I want to talk about your music. You just had an EP. You have an EP yes. out right now. Yeah, it's out right now. Yeah. I have two EP, EPs out. Yeah. There's one that's uh, four songs that I recorded, and then there's a remix EP of one of the songs with a lot of cool remixes by RAC and uh, Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike and uh, a few more. So, and Dave Aday is coming out with one. So You know he DJed my bar mitzvah? Dave Aday did? Yeah. He's a good DJ. Tell him I say what's up. It must have been popping. Jeff Weiss, 1994. Uh, no, I was the little asshole that lit up such a dick. Like, do you have any footage? Do you have footage yes, of that? Yes, I do have. Please, do you, ah, you hold on. Him up? Do you you sound have... like you would have yeah. set this motherfucker up no. right now. Too. I will talk about this off there. I'll help you. I'll maybe... help you with that. Please, that is please. a small price to pay to have footage yes, of Dave Audet in 1994. No way. Yeah, and Oh, it's amazing. Oh, man. And me being like this little fascist, of course I'm going to grow up to do something with music or like be an asshole. You come in, you're like, no, I'm like, I'm like, literally, no, you can't play any. He's like, oh, we call these like the standbys or something, like the standards or something. I was like, no, I don't want to hear your stupid Beatles song. Oh, I don't want to hear YMCA it? by the Village People. I don't want to hear these old Elvis songs. No YMCA? Like, no Elvis? What he that? snuck in YMCA when I was not there. Because YMCA? Because I was like, just a little hater. I was like, I'm listening to Beck Loser and I want to hear gangster rap. <laughs> yeah, but YMCA yeah. sets the party off and you know it. It did. Dun, I, went dun, down, dun, no, I went downstairs. Dun, dun. He saw me go downstairs. Yeah. Put YMCA <laughs> on upstairs. I came back. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> you don't realize what you did by telling him not to play those songs. You just shaved off 30 or 40 minutes in his set. Oh, my party was, cr- it was a bar mitzvah. was cracking. He probably put on Loser and like faded it into YMCA as you're walking down the stairs. I was obsessed. He's really him. talented. You got to hear this mix he did. He's, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, he yeah. De- I, I, I didn't know what he actually like was He's doing had that. like 45 Billboard Club number ones. Totally. I thought he was really cool because really? his brother was a minor league baseball player and played for the Pirates. I didn't, I didn't know that. Rich Audet. Really? Yeah, he was like a pr- top prospect wow. and then did not make it. But I he like footage. played a little bit. He had like a couple, couple, yeah, I have footage. So we'll. I need footage. I need that. to digitize. So. <laughs> He's probably listening right now. Shout um, out to Dave Audet. Yeah, seriously. He DJed a great party. <laughs> I mean, I was, the, I was the 13 year old. What an asshole, though. Like, <laughs> he must have just been like. What a fucking asshole. He probably thought you have good taste. He probably like, yeah, loser, Beck, that's good. I wanted to walk into Rapper's Delight. I was like 13 years old. That's, like, oh, that's, my but that's great. Off. He didn't have Rapper's Delight. I just he, no, wait, wait a minute. He didn't have it. That so is the most like, important piece of information you've given me on Day by Day. How is that possible? Yeah, I was 13, and I was like, I want Rapper's Delight as my entrance oh, music. That's so. Cool. So, and but I always, this is before Serato, like so that means he would have had to. He would have had the crate. He would have to the crate. Predict, predict that that you wanted to play this. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, rappers crate. delight, please. No, yeah. you got that's in the first crate, crate number yeah. one. Really? Yeah. Come on, yeah. yeah. I don't know why oh, I wanted that in 1994. But that was <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> I should have been like on some like. You, you can't oh, do a gig without that. Regulate. <laughs> that's good too. And he should have had the. Could have just came in with sunglasses. You got to have that record and then flash all the all the. Grandmaster yeah, Flash records. Yeah. yeah. Planet Rock. You gotta have that. He probably did not expect like this asshole's gonna like that's your request. I did a that's like before I did a going with Shell Crow is all I wanna do is have some. That's a good song? 
It was a good which, song. Which one? All I want to do is have some fun. It was a last minute decision and it was popping at the time and I was like, good you song. know what? What says better for my bar mitzvah than all I want to do is have some fun? Sounds like a good party. I like it's a good party. I like all the. You'll see the video. I like all the James <laughs> Bond songs, and I don't know much about Cheryl Crow. Put it on YouTube. But she has that "Tomorrow Never Dies." <laughs> yeah, remember that? That's, That's my good. shit. Yeah. All, all the in the garbage song. <laughs> so you like game. all the James Bond songs? I mean, not uh, most the, of them. The Adele one with Paul Abbott. You like that? Nah, last nah. Song? It does a certain. It hit, it hit a certain when uh, the the Jack Black and or the Jack White and the Alicia Keys song was the first one when I was like, you know what? This Jack thing. White did a bomb I, I, Yeah, you just blew my mind right now. That was the one of... Not, yeah. I think that was Casino Royale. Are you that, sure about that? We need to... I wow. mean, you know, we can Google it. You can, yeah. we can test it. But, like, you know, I, I feel like Jack <laughs> the White Stripes... Quantum of Solace, maybe? One of those bands that, like, you know, kind of just what we're talking about, where it's like, you, you wouldn't hear that. Or, like, the Black Keys, even, like, to a certain extent. Like, th- there's so many... And, like, I feel like you're... And I, that's, I think, it's... I wish there were, like... I wish there was like a hip hop label that would do like they, that's what I feel like. That's why I'm waiting for someone to give me money to do the dumbest things ever that would work. I think you know. Start like, your own label. That's what you did. I, yeah, I did. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah. Because I wanted to do crazy stuff, and you know, it's the only way to do it. Yeah. So, um, what is next for you and the label? Um, you're not on. You're you're Interscope distributes too, but you're not technically. We're we're there are partners. Interscope's uh, yeah. our partners. Mm-hmm. We're we're uh, a you know partnership on the label mm-hmm. venture. Um, but uh, we're turning 10 next year. Yeah, that's tight. So Congratulations. that's exciting. And we, I put together a list of 30 songs across the 10 years. Yeah, uh, it's like the Cherry Tree 30, and so we put that up on all these different platforms. And it's it's kind of emotional to, to see these records. But one thing they have in common is they're all they all kind of pushed. They're all edgy, you know, mm-hmm. like a G6 or One Two Three Four, or mm-hmm. Lights by Ellie Goulding, or or Just Dance. And it's nice to hear them all in a row. So what's next is more of the same. Like just keep doing stuff that pushes music forward and and champion groups that are gonna, you know, get people excited. Do you have any new acts that you just signed that yes. you can talk about? Yes, yes, I was gonna yes. say I was at your South by Southwest showcase. Oh wow! Did you come up there to Old School Bar and Grill? Um yeah. Yeah, yeah upstairs, yeah. right? It was upstairs. Oh, yeah. thank you for coming. And um, there was a a, a band, and I think they're from the OC. I forgot. Sir Sly. Sir Sly. I was Sly. just about to say that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, we're they're doing tight. a. We're doing a label tour called Cherry Tree Presents. It just kicked off uh, this week. I was in Dallas, Houston, and Austin. I just got back yesterday. And they're on the bill, mm-hmm. along with Wolfgang, which is a group from the UK, and uh, a group from Brooklyn we signed called Secret Someones. Mm-hmm. That are three girls that play and sing, and then a guy drummer. Mm-hmm. They sound like Weezer with, like, Cheryl Crow, Weezer, Dixie Chicks. Weezer's on the bar mitzvah video. Yes. By the way, was Weezer Buddy at your? Buddy Holly. Really? Was Not Weezer ba- at your bar mitzvah? No. Okay, Weezer's about That's my shit. No. Like... I'm one of those people that, oh, was that before Beverly come. Hills? That was before Beverly Hills. Right? That was Buddy Holly. Wow. It was like that was Buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was obsessed with the blue album. I mean Pinkerton's amazing. He, he's Fuck Pinkerton. Wow. Well, there com- you go. We've had this conversation. He's, you guys are rep- been, you've been merci- you've been pilloried in comment sections, by the way. No, but this is it's not even fuck Pinkerton. It's it's one of those things like it's like, you know, when like when somebody does something like you got a you know a good friend and they're like really cool and they sell dope and go to jail when they're in college or some shit, you're like, you fucked it up. You had a chance to make it out. But then but he came back. He got out of jail. And he, 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 he got, got out of jail and he then, got, you know. He went legit. He's doing all right. Yeah. You know? I thought he went to Harvard randomly. And st- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're like, anyways. All right. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Thank yeah, you. so Sir Sly, though. Sir Sly, I just want to say about Sir Sly. Mm-hmm. And then Faris Moomin has a new record coming out. And then also, uh, I signed a band called The Hunts uh-huh. from Chesapeake, Virginia. You got to check them out. Seven brothers and sisters. Yeah. Their last name is Hunt. That's why they're the hunts. It's like alt folk music, like, like, Lumineers if they'd all grown up together and Uh played music all their lives together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Yeah. I want to hear all that. And they can hear your, your music on your SoundCloud and Cherry Cherry. Yes, sure please. Cherry Cherry Boom Boom dot com. Cherry Cherry Boom dot com. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for this coming. This is through. fun. Yeah. This I learned a lot. Yeah. But you didn't learn anything. We don't have any information for free you. Free fur coat to every guest? Free, free. It's under my chair like Oprah, right? What's yeah. going on? No. Okay. You get a pill. You get a pill. You get a pill. Yeah. Yeah. I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired, and I see all the cops flying in. I, I, I just called you guys to notify you. I heard shots fired. I did not see the guy, but I heard shots fired, and I...